0: Hey, it's your man Chandler. And I'm Stephen Wall. So if you enjoy my antics on kind of movie critics, then boy, do I have some great news. Chandler and I have a podcast called Act Three. We give the latest in film news and we talk about movies, TV, pop culture. We break our topics down into three acts every week. Just like a movie. That's right, Chandler. It's somewhat informative and occasionally funny. (laughs) That's pretty high praise. Um, I was talking about myself. Oh, of course. You can find us on
1: act3podcast.com and wherever fine podcasts are available. Enjoy the show please be advised. The, the kind, kind of, of Movie, movie critics, critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so
2: there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, this is Treezy. Hey, hey, this is Corey. Smart and Martin and Mailman. And I'm Young Leezy. And we are the Kind of Movie Critics, man. Uh, I, mean, I, I don't know why we have these long breaks, man. But like There's that.
1: nothing to talk about. That's why we have the long breaks.
2: I don't know, man. It seems like as soon as we go away, it'd be mad stuff to talk about. But, but life happens. I, I will say that. Life does get in the way. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I wish this was the utmost priority every day. I would love nothing better than to do a pod every day, but that's not how life works. So uh, I'm grateful for the time that I get to spend with you guys, man. How y'all feeling? Feeling really good.
0: All right. Feeling really good. I'm watching a lot of content right now.
2: So I'm happy. Nice.
3: I-, I think, first of all, we should probably say rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, because we haven't been on since. Oh,
2: yeah man yo yeah yeah, thank you for that martin you're absolutely right y'all want to do a nice you know we can only do about five seconds on the pod because after that it starts feeling weird
1: (laughs) yeah let's do that
2: a nice five second (laughs) wakandan moment moment of silence for uh for chadwick bozeman that feels like five
1: it wasn't, but I was counting. Was <laughs> I'm I'll make
2: it five in post. <laughs> but, but uh yeah, man, that was that was I don't know about y'all, man, but that that tore me up that day, man. That tore me up. I, I got up immediately after I heard it and watched Black Panther, man, for like the time. I did time.
1: too.
2: Yeah. I felt like that's all I could do, man.
1: It was harder to watch though. Um you know, when Ryan Coogler said that he has to accept that Chadwick is the ancestors now, and I'm like, wow, I think about everyone who's passed away from that. And I mean, it's I mean anyone who knows me in real life knows that the, what he passed from, my best friend passed away from in 2016. Mm. And it just, it's just frustrating because, mm. you know, people are very young, and your age um, works against you um, in terms of <clears throat> medicine. You know, racism is a thing, too, if you don't understand that, like, I can only encourage you to read, but a lot of the standards that you see based on like tests for people to, um, to get diagnoses for things like colon cancer are based on standards for white men. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of us die from things that are treatable if they're caught earlier um, because of things like that. And that's really something we need to stop doing, that we need to have our own diagnoses based on our risk factors and not just taking on what the majority says the standard is. Cause people dying out here and it's not okay.
2: Right. Damn. You said a mouthful. I I know for me, you know, I've been, I, I vowed to stay off socials all of September and, uh, really like, you know, what, what happened with Chad was kind of like the last straw for me. You know, I mean, you know, us as a, as a community, we've all been dealing with, you know, trauma after trauma and thing after thing. Um, and it just, it felt like self-sabotage to a certain point, you know, like I was kind of a, complicit in my own self-sabotage or just by constantly being online and checking in and seeing these things and then getting emotionally invested. And then like your real life kind of takes a back seat to it. And I, you know, I, I said for me, it's no social September, man. I, I got to practice some self-love here. Uh, I, I come to realize I get all of, most of my news from social media, you know, whether it be entertainment news and stuff like that. So what's been keeping me in the game is like Apple, Apple news. I, I subscribe to that. And, um, you know, the, those publications whatever is coming out there man but yeah you got to protect yourself man um in these particular uh, times
1: uh speaking of um two things so what helps me I, I actually try not to get my news from social media um because I realize like a couple things about social media <laughs> um and how that can be damaging to right. your perspective um but I also um I get my news from typically in the morning, like, uh, cause I do have an Android shout out to you if you have a problem with that, but <laughs> my Google <laughs> pixel has like a routine that it can set for your alarms. And one of the things it does is, you know, I tell it to tell me the weather and the traffic and <laughs> it tells me car pay that fucking DM every day. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but another thing it does is it plays up first from NPR, which is like a 15 to 20 minute, um, podcast every day just to tell you what's going on in the world. Um mm. and so I listen to up first most days. Then I get my news that way. Um just because relying on people for stuff is I learned not smart. But the second thing is um circling around to what we normally do at this point, uh I did watch and it was it was it you Martin who suggested that we watch the social dilemma.
3: No, it wasn't me. It wasn't I you. Who... I,
1: I try to give you all the smart things. No, I'm so <laughs> <laughs> was it? I don't know. Someone in the group suggested that we watch the social dilemma. Being that none of y'all are taking credit for it, I'm gonna have to assume it was Chandler. Chandler probably. Not. Shout out <laughs> so, to Chandler. um, I watched the social dilemma, and I encourage anyone to watch it. I think it's making the rounds for my friends on Facebook.
2: Nice. Um,
1: <clears throat> not because I said so, though. I think you know through natural word of mouth, people watching it. But it's kind of like you know that the thing is happening to you, that you're being manipulated in certain ways, um, right. to make you, um pretty much addicted to social media and that reminds me of that like Black Mirror episode. What was it called? The one with Topher Grace.
2: Um oh, the, I don't know. The, uh
1: not uh, was it I called like Kablooey Grace. or something like that?
2: The one with the fridge,
3: the the freezer? It
1: it was the one where the guy um had kidnapped
3: and they're in the car. The kid, and they're in yeah. the car. Angel. Yeah.
1: Angel um oh yeah yeah, yeah whatever yeah. his name is I don't know that child's name. The one from Snowfall. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Topher Grace was in that.
1: Yes.
2: Yeah.
0: Didn't he play the tech? The tech he genius.
1: He was the tech genius.
0: That's yeah. right. Yeah, he yeah, was yeah, the genius. Yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah, I know what you're talking. That was the um. That was, was like called... first episode of season six, wasn't it, or season five? Yeah, it whichever. was
1: called. I'm asking. See, now we can't think of things. We were talking about this off mic. I think it, was, oh, yeah. it wasn't called like Kabluie or something like that. It was like. But it was like a fake Twitter that people were addicted to or whatever. Yeah. But I was like, yo, that's real life. And Black Mirror keeps coming true. And shit's like freaking me out now. But that, mm. that show like explains to you so much of like the information ages like creating so much. I don't want to say civil unrest because those things exist outside of. Um, those things exist in the real world outside of social media. Right, But the way that social media manipulates us uh, to reinforce like what we already believe and to make us addicted to those kinds of things, like mm-hmm. I would say like widens the divide socially yeah. Um, and people are much more polarized with their beliefs than they used to be. So it's yeah. it, it, it's like a function of that. And like, <sighs> you're right to take a break, but yeah. I would encourage anyone to watch that. It's very, it's very informative. And I mean, again, we know that they're doing these things, but we just keep letting them do it to
2: us. Yeah, that's kind of like a byproduct that just, yeah, I don't know. It seems like just a human thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, eating shit that you know is bad for you, you know, consuming shit that you know is not good for your spirit. It just seems like a real human thing to do. But uh, enough of the heavy, man, because this show, Lovecraft Country, is already like super.
1: I know. There's, I'm just like, wow, where is this going to go? We need uh, to find some sunshine here. Right.
2: A <laughs> lot, lot, of, lot of compressive elements. I don't even know if that was a good phrase, but it makes. sense I don't sense even know what you meant, but I'll let, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you breathe. <laughs> but um, uh, um, do we want to get into a little bit of uh, things we've been watching before we jump into Lovecraft Country, guys?
3: Yeah, I wanted well, to
0: s- I wanted to start that out. Oh, I'm sorry, Martin, if you would like to start.
3: Uh, well, I just have a one question for you guys. Um, I know most of us saw Tenant in theaters. I was wondering if there's another movie coming out this year, maybe next year, that you'd be willing re- willing to risk it all for.
2: Yes. Uh, uh Candyman. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah.
1: <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah.
2: what, what did uh, you say, Lizzy?
1: I said Candyman.
2: Candy man. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, too. no, no time to
0: die because I'm just I'm a fan.
3: Yeah. So. It's Bond for me.
0: Yeah.
1: It's Bond for you. <laughs>
0: <Yeah.
1: I> mean, <laughs> Tenet was the second thing that I saw. Um, Chandler um and my daughter and his girlfriend, we went to see um the Empire Strikes Back, which is, you know in my opinion in most people's opinion the best star wars movie um for 15 cent day for um AMC which we talked about <laughs> that's funny enough we talked about like how we should have like bought out the theaters that day and, yeah, pu- that and pulled the chance the rapper like yo pull up <laughs> <laughs> that would have been dope yo yeah. but um selling out the theater like the theater we were in was sold out and it was le- they said a 30% it was 30% it was like less than that there were not that many people in there yeah. so I was feeling people did what Chandler did and like bought extra seats um But, like, you know, after I did that, I was like, fuck that. I'm going to see Tenet if I'm going to go see Empire Strikes Back, though,
2: Facts. There's so few
1: people in theaters right now, like, you can go to the movies. It's fine.
2: Well, uh, shout out to AMC for how how they did it. Because, you know, it's like you had to buy a ticket in advance, and it seems like um, it's built into the system. You know, when somebody buys a ticket, it's like they X out the seats that are next to you, in front of you, behind you. You know, so it gives you a nice... It gives a nice cushion just built into the to the ticket structure. So, um, shout um, out to all the theaters that are kind of adjusting for this situation.
1: They are. You have to. They don't like the. You have to buy your tickets pretty much on your phone. Um, I used the kiosk when I went to see Tenant because my old ass forgot about having to buy my tickets in advance. And Chandler did it last time, so I didn't even think about it. Right. But, but, <laughs> um, Cinemark has something similar where we normally go to the movies. You don't pick assigned seats, but now you have to. Right. Um but you know I was telling you there was like four people in the theater for Tenet.
2: Yeah, it was like seven in mine. So it was a very comfortable experience. So Yeah, man. But um
1: what you been watching, Corey?
2: Oh, so I'm
0: just very happy I started The Wire. Um <laughs> yes. I am I'm super late. I'm super behind. Um The Wire came out during a time I wasn't really the cool cool kid that I am today and <laughs> Um, I just I just never got to it. So I finally started The Wire. It's pretty good. I kind of understand the love. Um, I also understand memes now. There's a lot of memes <laughs> that I never really understood, and I'm starting to understand them. And I, me and Treasy talked offline one time about how, for me, the first dope TV show was Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. but I kind of understand now Like Breaking Bad wouldn't be here if it wasn't for The Wire. Absolutely. So, Ooh, yeah. You now, I mean, now don't get me wrong. The Wire has some age on it. Like, you know, they're using typewriters, and <laughs> um, even though it's a very film-like story, there's some shots in it that are very TV-like. Um, that I could tell they, you know, they they had limitations in that. But I'm just happy to say that I'm I'm watching The Wire and working my way through it.
3: Yeah. You know the the funny thing about The Wire to me is like before I watched it, people would talk about it. And they would never talk about McNulty or the cops. They would just always talk about like Avon Barksdale yeah. and Street right. Bell. Bear. Yeah, yeah. So and then when I would watch the. the scene,
1: that was it, yeah.
3: Yeah, I would watch the first episode. I'm going to be like, yo, who is this white dude? Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought it was like all black people.
2: So you must have been talking to people in barbershops, uh, Martin. Yeah, black people, definitely. Yo, McNulty. <laughs> the Wire was, the f- was a thousand percent the first show that like people were talking about the characters like it was really in their hood. Like it was people in yeah. their hood. Like it was, a, it was a cultural ph- phenomenon. And then parties started like wire parties, like, yo walk uh, Omar from the wires, going to walk through at the, at the club. It was, it was a phenomenon. It was like, um, I guess this was, that was probably what, like 2006 for me. It was just weird. Like, I mean, for me it was 2006. Um, but it was just weird seeing that shift, man. Like, uh, just never hearing people talk about television like that. To like, wait a minute, who, who's who's Avon? That's your homeboy. Like, it was it was a weird shift, man. It was a weird thing, man. I, I thought it was amazing for television.
0: Well, the other television. thing too is having some experience with police departments. Yo, McNulty should've been fired a long time ago. Yo, yo
2: yeah, like, <laughs> sure, yo, <certainly>. like
0: <laughs> yeah. I was. You're I'm, I'm cool. almost man. done. I'm almost done with season one, and I'm like, yo, how do you still have a job? Man, like, wait till the yo, last season. Nothing yet. Yo, your <laughs> yeah. employment. Yo, you're a city employee, or I don't know how Baltim Baltimore might work a little differently, but
2: uh, uh, man, <laughs> I just I mean, think that shit is very funny. McNulty so. off the chain. You, yo, like McNulty is season. extra off the chain. Oh, <laughs> yeah. bro,
1: it definitely gets worse.
2: Wait <clears> till <throat> you see season five, dog. He up, uh-huh, really, dog. he crazy. <laughs> but but you know, just to kind of go into what you were saying, like um, ha, ha, in season one, did they really get into the, They didn't really get into the politics as much in season one.
0: Nah, um, I mean I don't. I haven't. I haven't I gotten to season so. two, but I mean there's gotcha. a little bit because you know McNulty and the judge and everyone's. It's like it's his homeboy, but he but he doesn't want people to know it, but they know it, right. and everyone's mad. They're like, yeah, McNulty gonna talk to the judge and and all that yeah, other stuff. Gotcha. So
2: yeah, it when 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 the politics start getting in the mix, you you you'll start seeing and understanding a little bit more, like boy, how he gets away with some of this stuff, man. It's <laughs> it's it's a it's a crazy entanglement between mm. the streets the police department and politics man i'm um, just gonna well, say
1: shout out to the wire for being shot actually in baltimore and giving me the opportunity to meet El- idris elba in in 2003 when he was fine fine i mean he fine now but he was fine fine he was treating up hell fine when yeah. i met him it's if true. i ever have five minutes of my life that he'd be like sabrina who but
2: <laughs> did, did, did shout out throw, to me being
1: drunk and fumbling that fucking situation. But <laughs>
2: when when you talked to him, did he did he whip out the British accent or was he speaking?
1: Like no, so American? fun story. My my friend Nicole, um, it was her birthday, and this is when um Dream was still open in DC, and oh, my other friend Lorena and I had ridden up for her birthday to a party. And I want to say Usher was like there that night or whatever. It was mm-hmm. mad people there, so um, we were in the little VIP. There was like a stage on the second floor, if you remember. Like Dream was huge, and um,
2: you talking about Dream or Love? Same place. Same. It place. was okay. Dream first. It was Dream, I believe. Was dream first. Oh, okay.
1: I don't. I, I feel like it was still Dream when when this was going on. It was Love I was like, like two
2: thousand three four. I thought it was Love at that point, but go ahead though. It, it
1: was result. Love probably like that fall, right? So. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, or maybe like the fall after that, but anyway, so we we were there, and it was about one a.m. And at that point, like I was drunk, drunk, and like you know, DC is different than here. Like somebody like corny British dudes be in DC, so right. so That's like funny. I'm staring at my feet like drunk, and he walks over. And he's like, hey, "Yeah, well, you know, what, Dunson." And I was like, "My motherfucking feet hurt. You got a problem?" <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, so he so he did. And then have I a looked action. up. And my friend looked at me and she was like, bitch, that was string a bell. And then she like made it worse. because She was like, oh my God, I love you. And he was like, okay, bitches, goodbye. <laughs> but he didn't literally say that, but he was just looking okay, at us bitches, like, ew. Goodbye. But yeah, if I have five minutes back. I'd be Mrs. Stringle Bell. You, probably you be not. Mrs. Bell. But I I probably not, but i have a way cooler story.
2: Right, right. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, and Corey, going back to the technology data, you, you gotta remember the whole thing was built off of a wiretap. On a, of
0: a pay
2: phone. Yo, on a pay yo, <laughs> on a pay yo and a beeper. No,
0: beaver. man. I texted you when, on the first episode, they had to do their post report on a typewriter. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> I was Funny, like, y'all. y'all are wild, man. And, and that so. makes it even
2: crazier because, you know, Skills is our OG, man. And, and I remember when HBO uh, paid Skills to do a wrap-up of all five seasons in five minutes. And so, yeah, that little-known fact, if you go on the... Uh, you can probably find it on YouTube if you YouTube um Skills, Mad Skills wrap up the wire. Um, for anybody who's seen it, he wraps it, he wraps it up in five minutes. Every season has a one minute, you know, has a one minute verse, man, and it's very efficient. What'd you been watching, Martin?
3: Um Well, I've been watching the boys. Me and Corey have been watching that. I've been watching this uh show on HBO Max called uh, Raised by Wolves, which is pretty dope. Mm. It's a uh, produced by Ridley Scott. I don't know the showrunner, but it's kind of like uh, it, it's a show about like atheism and religion. Basically, it's mm. like the Earth has ended, and um, these androids like take a bunch of kids and they raise them on this other planet. And this ship full of like really fundamental, not Christians, but basically Christians, <laughs> come <laughs> <you> come <laughs> onto this planet. And they kind of have beef between like atheism and like religion. And it's not necessarily taken aside on either one, but it's like super interesting. And it's it's extremely well done. Way, way better than I thought it would be. Nice. I yeah,
0: gotta
2: definitely. check it out.
0: Yeah, I, I recommend it too, man. I've been watching it. And and at first I, I felt like it was going to go one way, but it, it's starting to feel really balanced. And it's also starting to feel very mysterious. So it's a it's a neat little sci fi thing. I'd recommend it.
2: Right? Yeah. My my wife was watching it, and and I I couldn't. It just looked like a. It looked like an HBO sci fi production, bro. Like the look of it. Yo, man! A
0: a mutual homie of ours was like, it. It reminded him of the 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 sci fi joints that used to come on CBS in the nineties that only lasted like one season. Right. (laughs) But like, you got to stick with it. So, like, it it's it's not a bad-looking show, in my opinion, but I, I could see where if you just kind of fall into it, you'd be like, what the hell is this shit? Right. So.
3: I mean, I, I think the effects and acting is pretty good. Like, I think the, the woman who plays Mother, like, she's really, really good.
4: Mm-hmm. And,
3: like, once you see her in action, like, killing people, it, like, the blood and everything is actually pretty well done.
2: Mm. Yeah. Hey, maybe I got to give it a chance.
0: Now you need to give the boys a chance. That's what yeah, you really yeah, need to do. That,
2: that's the next one I got to do because you keep telling me about that. It's so. a
0: really good show. It's a lot of fun, too. You, you yeah.
2: I enjoyed
1: the first cool. season. I couldn't get into this season. Sorry. What? It's the same show. It just. I'm aware.
0: <laughs> you know what I think killed it? They shouldn't have done it weekly. I think they, I mean, because last season I think was done all at once. It was. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think having to wait maybe is kinda because I had another person say that too. They were they were a little deterred and I was like, you just gotta stick around. It's it to me is the exact same thing as season one. You just have to wait now.
3: Mm. I know. I mean I would say about the boys, like a major um theme this season is like racial injustice and um kind of like how black people are treated, how other races are treated there's definitely a lot of um, alt right like influence in certain characters and stuff like that. So I mean, watching Lovecraft Country and like the way they deal with racism and how specific and precise they are, it the boys kind of pales in comparison in some ways. But I could still appreciate it.
1: Do you nice. feel like? Do you feel like Watchmen also like made you go to the boys? Because I feel like that's what's nah. happening to me. Watchmen is like a masterpiece. Well, I, don't
0: I, I, I think i, I, I not sorry but I, I i just they're like two different kinds of shows to me you know yeah. like i look at Watchmen as kind of like christopher nolan's batman and i look at the boys as maybe like a, a marvel type situation like it's it's trying to be a little bit more fun but it's going to put a little bit of that that message underneath whereas you know christopher nolan and batman is trying to be gritty and and kind of Grounded a little bit so I, I I think It's just two different types of presentation
3: I mean I, I think also like Having read the comic what I loved About the comic even though it's like super Disgusting and messed up Is <laughs> basically Garth Ennis would take a <laughs> He would take a hero he would take a Trope a superhero thing and What would be interesting is seeing how He could he deconstructed it basically How he took like maybe A Batman character and deconstructed it Or X-Men and deconstructed it and i guess this show is kind of doing a similar thing where they'll they'll take like a neo-nazi and deconstruct it or they'll take like a different different things in our society and show them through the lens of celebrity and superheroes and stuff like that and i think they have like a lot of good
2: things to say interesting i might sounds, try again that show yeah sound, I, I didn't know it had that much depth to it i thought it was just kind of like a fun superhero
1: no Not
2: a bunch of. I don't think you know what it's. That's kind of stupid and really obtuse of me because I don't think there's any show out there now that just is sort of this one thing. You know, it seems like a lot of shows are this thing, and then they have like the subtext to what the show actually is about. Well,
0: um, yeah, and the funny part is I've had a few people like when I tell them about the boys, they're like, "Oh, that that superhero show," and I'm like, "Well, I think everyone keeps thinking Marvel or DC," and I'm like. It's the complete opposite. Like the heroes are really the villains and like or not, you know, that use that word loosely, but I, I think people get caught up in what it means superhero. And like mm-hmm. if you watch it, it it's totally not about that. Like it's right. completely a different type of story. But I think people all they see is superhero right. and they, they can't get past it. So that makes
2: sense. I mean that's that's I guess that's the drawing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, the old switcheroo. But
3: Yeah, Yeah, it's it's really it's really odd because I guess The Boys is kind of deconstructing superheroes, Mm. but it is a television show and it is pop culture. So there's definitely like a huge fan base that like loves Homelander, and and that's scary. Or there's like a yeah, yeah, there's a huge fan base. He's a full piece of shit. Like yeah, but there's like people that treat him like Superman. There's people that love like that character and. And like the show is telling you, like, no, this is celebrity is terrible. Like, people having too much power is terrible. This is the awful thing to do. But it, but it is a show, and it is superheroes, so it's kind of like a catch twenty-two.
2: Interesting. Nice. What you been watching, Lizzie? <laughs> Every
1: goddamn thing. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pick one. So many things that like now I can't think about it. I watched. On HBO Max, I watched American Pickle. Shout out to the Act 3 podcast for piquing my interest in that. That's the uh, story of um, Seth, Seth Rogen has an ancestor that gets pickled and, like, lives
2: a yeah. oh, hundred yeah, years. Was, <laughs> that was the episode that I was on, right, that me and Chandler were. I don't know. Were you on American Pickle? Yeah, it was me and Chandler, and we talked about American Pickle. That's the only reason why I watched it because oh, okay,
1: so I forgot yeah. that you were even on it. I, wow. Well, I didn't finish it because I hadn't seen the movie yet.
2: Gotcha, um, gotcha. And so
1: I kind of like was like, uh, I don't want to hear the whole episode. See, I remember you did an episode. I'm whack. Sorry. Yeah.
2: No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, shout out to the Act Three podcast. Uh, that's Chandler's. You know, uh, other podcast that he does with Mr. Stephen Wall, and it's a WTKR production. So it's it's really good. If you guys are looking for another movie podcast to listen to, it's really good. Acting um, podcast.
1: on a, on another note, we talked about. I watched. I'm thinking of ending things.
2: Amazing show.
1: You thought that that was an amazing movie.
2: I thought that it was amazing. I, I'm gonna tell you why because I learned a lot. What you love- learn. I, yo, I learned I, that
1: Charlie Kaufman does not give a fuck about us.
2: No, oh, no, no, <laughs> Oh, Sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of I may destroy you. I'm sorry, Michaela. Oh, show. I was
1: I was so confused at that. It, You're like I learned a lot. What did you learn? Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. That's the Charlie Kaufman one, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I may destroy anything. you. Totally different. Um, I don't. I wouldn't say that it was amazing, but I liked it. But
2: yeah, it was, um, it was good. It was entertaining.
1: I guess. I guess that's probably more people have probably seen that, so we could talk about that. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking of many things. Charlie Kaufman doesn't give a fuck about you. You heard it from me first.
2: Yeah. So- <laughs> he went off the deep end with that jump,
1: bro. Yeah, he he made that. He he turned into Andy Kaufman, like he just there to entertain his fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. self. So-
2: <laughs> that jump was so- wild. I watched that one night high, and you know, oh god, high, It was that was I was like oh oh this is crazy, and I like. I'm sure
1: Kaufman. you figured it out at the same point that everyone else did though. Yeah. But um, I may destroy you. Yeah, we hadn't talked about I may destroy you. There I may was-
2: destroy you was amazing.
1: I don't agree. Um,
2: Shit. I learned a lot. That's what I meant to say. I learned a lot with that. But what I will say, you know, because I don't want to get too more into it. Watch it, man. Watch I May Destroy You. It may be triggering. Um, mm-hmm. If if you've ever been uh, a victim of sexual abuse or anything like that, it may be triggering. Um, but if you can stomach it, man, there's a lot of nutritional value in there. I, I've been watching P-Valley, man. <laughs> I don't know if you know P-Valley on stars. It's It's a show about uh the stripper the culture man and and I was <laughs> That's all I've been saying
1: people having their various uh spellings of the pank I've not seen it myself yeah, but man, it was seem
2: it, to love it. I was entertained I mean it's 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 within some subject matter that I've been you know just kind of uh studying you know over the over the, I would say over the past decade but really more so in the past like 3 4 years just Why really the strip into, club. Well yeah just sex work in general you know what I mean oh, yeah. um and the nuance that 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 is around the participants, the willing participants in sex work. I don't, you know, um, you I think don't it's
3: uh, better or worse than Players
2: Ball? Players Ball what, players or ball, Players Club? club. Players, players Club, club. my bad. Oh, it, players it's club, just way yeah. more. Oh, it's just way more. The the world is way bigger. You know, you learn more yeah. about these characters because it's an eight episode series. You know. Um, but what really got me watching it is there's a, a, a character in there, uh, the white girl named Gidget, um, uh, you know, shout out to Skylar. I know Skylar. I worked on a film with her. Um, the film flipped from, uh, you know, Jack, uh, shout out to Jack Manning, Tiffany Tyler Burgess. Street film.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And uh, my man L, my man Lawrence. Um, uh, I, I worked on their short called Flipped, and she was one of the main stars there. And she's a real sweet girl, really, really cool. So it was cool seeing her uh, do her thing and, kind of spread her wings with this role. Um she was bare-chested in a few scenes and I was like, "Oh, my little si-, like this like like seeing a little sister naked sort of thing, but but uh but it, it was really cool, man. There's there's a lot of TNA and a lot of they, they were there's like HBO amounts of penises in that show. You know, <laughs>
1: euphoria, it, Euphoria levels of dick.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. You know, HBO go off the chain with a lot of penis in their show, man, and, and and Stars is it looks like they're trying to compete with that. So, um <laughs> So, yeah, man, P Valley, that's what I've been watching. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind doing a, I wouldn't mind calling up Shad because I know his old uh, ghetto ass has probably seen P Valley and has uh, got some shit to say about it. So, I would love to talk to him about it. I know for a fact, I know for a fact, and I haven't even spoken to Shot, but I know for a fact he's seen P Valley. That's like right up his alley, man.
3: Yeah, I would watch it if I had stars, but I don't have I'm stars. I'm like over here,
1: like, I don't have stars. I'm about to yeah. cancel Encore because I don't yeah. watch it. I
2: don't, to buy a st- a house. I don't got stars neither. Shout out to my <laughs> plug, though. Who, who, who showered me anonymous forever.
3: That's um, funny how everybody saw power, but nobody has stars.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> cool. I think we spent a lot of time on what we've been watching, man. Let's get into this Lovecraft country because uh, this joint is dense. And uh, so, obviously, I mean, if you heard the spoiler warning at the beginning, man, we we getting to spoiling things. So, if you haven't seen episodes, one through five of Lovecraft Country. That is what we're talking about. That is what we're spoiling. And that is what we're getting into. You might want to go ahead and turn this John off, watch it, and then jump back on when you are fully informed on what's happening. So uh, let's just get straight into it, man. Um, I got to tell y'all, I love this fucking show, bro. Like, like Max, like my favorite show of all time is The Wire. And this is like, like I'm enjoying this on that level, you know, even though there are two different kinds of shows, but this is premium television. Is it, anybody else feeling that way about this?
0: Yeah, definitely. I I really really like the show and I really like what it's doing and I, I like the the different genres and the I, I it's the first time in a long time I have no idea where we're going, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like I I'm really enjoying this kind of ride that we're on and and it, it, it's really refreshing because I just feel like a lot of TV there is a lot of good TV out there right now, but like this, like I was so excited to watch episode five this past week. Like I was, like I was like, oh my god, I gotta get home, I gotta watch it, I gotta, I gotta load it up, and I haven't felt that way in a long time. So yeah. I, I, I really enjoy the show.
2: No, that's real. I, I, my barometer is usually like the shows that my wife and I are both interested in is usually the barometer of how, like, how really, you know, how much care a, a show takes and how much they they try not to stay in a certain box cuz she the shit that she watches is completely different than the shit that I like but we both come together for Sundays to watch this show and we are both in love with it where where are you at with this joint martin here go um Barnett. i'll say <laughs> here it i'll come. say i
3: like some episodes more than others um Man, I, I don't necessarily yeah i I don't necessarily love the show but um I can appreciate it. I guess what I what I would compare it to is this is a far better version of Luke Cage to me because Luke Cage is a show that like has a lot of references to blackness right. and but they kind of just throw it in your face or they mention it and it's it's not really executed that well. This okay. really, I I mean, sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it fails to me, but they really do try to like even if even in the background or straightforward when like the the non-diegetic sound that they use like they try to like cover this whole thing in blackness like if this is pancakes it's just syrup of blackness all over (laughs) pancakes so you can't even see the pancakes no more or whatever that's basically what this show is and i guess i could definitely appreciate that although i don't necessarily like absolutely love the show
2: Right. Boy Martin the Mailman delivering wild ass analogies talking about Luke Cage and goddamn Lovecraft <laughs> And you syrup, even... faces, and I'm a syrup here, of making. blackness.
0: I'm going to try to find a way to use syrup of blackness like in <laughs> <Yeah>. some <laughs> form
2: of conversation. Yeah, that was wild, bro, but I, I I get what you're saying though. It's it's yeah. yeah, I get I get exactly what you're saying. And I wouldn't have compared it to Luke Cage, but that's interesting. Where, where are you at with this, Lizzie? I already know where you're at with it, honestly.
1: You already know where I'm at? Um, maybe I, I don't, don't. Maybe I don't. <laughs>
2: I shit. mean,
1: I'm I, I really excited about Lovecraft Country. um, But like Corey said, I don't know where it's going. Um, There are some things that I don't like about the show. Mo- mainly that like I feel like they could have spent some more money on special effects. I think that the special effects are... Whoa. Grow.
0: Yeah, I They're mean, not good. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've referenced it. Yo, episode two was janky, and
2: yeah, a couple of
0: too. I feel like man, they blew the budget on episode one because those nah. creatures, those creatures were not cheap. They yeah, they
1: didn't look good either. But yeah, I, yeah,
0: I didn't think they looked terrible, but I didn't think like episode two. Like I texted y'all like, yo, this visual effects are. Stupid looking. Well,
1: same I can bro. I can definitely tell you, like, from looking at it, that I can definitely tell that the same people are not doing the special effects every time. Because episode five, I felt like the special effects looked really good compared to the, to the say, rest like... of them. Yeah. But, like, yeah. the, like... Bro, they're pretty, like, when they're in, like he said, episode two, when they pan out from the window where Tick is standing there, I'm like, this is terrible. This looks yeah, like the shit from 1996.
0: Yo, when the house, no, for me, it was when the house started disintegrating around him and then it pan, or it lifted out of the house. I was like, that house not there. Right.
1: And I, I mean, <laughs> I've. It's definitely when they panned out to him being in the window. I was like, "Wow, this is this looks like the 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 fucking game that used to be on a CD-ROM." Mist. This is really bad. Oh shit! <laughs>
0: yeah, that's <funny>. Oh, I <laughs> haven't heard a mist reference in uh, forever.
1: You
2: know? yeah, <laughs> Take bad. the blue his,
1: pages, bring them to me. So, um, anyway, <laughs> his,
2: his head was hella disproportionate. That's what I remember. It was just scene.
1: it was just a lot. And then the snake in his pants was just a lot of stuff. Was just like, oh god, this is pretty bad. But um, I will, I I could tell. Like, somewhere in the middle, they just they got somebody better to do it. Because I, I, I thought the effects, like I said, were very good on this last episode. Yeah. But I think that that was a lot of practical combined with um, CGI that kind of helped. It like it. But what what I think um, takes me out of... The CGI takes me out of the moment sometimes where I'm just like, they couldn't have spent a little more money. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but, I mean... I like it. I'm very excited about it. Um, and, you know, even though there are times where I feel like, you know, Keenan Ivory Wayans is walking through in a mailman costume. There's, <laughs> there's, um, I don't think that I need to hold content from black creators to a higher standard. Um, Cause I think that that's counterproductive. So, I I just don't think that black content has to be perfect for me to enjoy it because I don't do that with other creators. So I'm letting it rock.
2: So, you know what? So just sticking on that on on that note right there. What I love about the presentation of all of the social messaging in this is that it all serves the story. I don't feel like. I don't feel like I'm being taken out of the plot. They they always figure out a way to connect it all back into this journey. And so I don't feel like I'm having to watch it for this one thing and then watch it for this other thing. It's like, you, you know, I, we were kind of talking off mic. I don't know which eyes to look at this with, but, but it's because everything is so subtle. Right. It's like I want to put on the social injustice eyes, you know, but it, and but i don't have to like if i just get in if you just get invested in the story all these other things if you choose to go back to it they're all very much there they're all very much fragrant and and they all serve a purpose so far and i feel like that's what i really love about this show is like i don't have to separate the message and the journey they're all like one and the same you know and um especially like when you talk about like Montrose's character, you know what I mean? Um, And even, you know, tick and just the, just the, like the redistribution of like, of, um, of abuse, you know, and, and, you know, this emotional journey of, uh, of, of tick, man, all of these things service the journey themselves. So it's like, I don't, I just don't have to split the two. and, and, And that feels really good. You know, I think Watchmen did it really good too um but, they did it perfectly <laughs> see to me this is this is um, i mean i don't really want to compare them man because they're both you know amazing shows that are giving us amazing things but like to me to me this was an this was a great follow-up to Watchmen. you know what i mean like
1: i agree i think that Watchmen made me excited about what HBO could do with this kind of story, um, yeah. and I guess that's why I'm so hard on and critical of the effects. Because I'm like, I see what y'all can do when y'all put money some money really behind something. So right. I feel like they didn't necessarily invest in it um, up front in a way that I would have liked to have seen. I clear, they clearly are investing in it in an- in other ways, like on the back end to market it and to support like Black people right. behind the scenes um, and that kind of stuff. So. I'm I'm okay with it, but like it's it's disappointing. And I mean it's season 1. If we get a season 2, I'm not sure if this is a limited series. I don't think that it is. Um so if we get a season 2, I'm sure those things will improve leaps and bounds cuz they see that like people are obsessed with it.
2: Right. All right. Well, let's let's just, I guess attack this episode by episode, man, because um it feels like you know, we're doing the episodes 1 through 5 right now if you didn't catch that. Um and then I'm I would love to, obviously, if the crew would love to, come back and do six through ten. Absolutely. This is kind of like a halftime temperature check of where this show is at because there's so much that gets thrown into these episodes that trying to cover all ten of them in a hour and a half, two-hour episode, whatever the case may be, probably a disservice to the show. So um, off the rip, episode one, the pilot, man. Um, wh- uh, wh- what... Okay, how many times have you guys watched the pilot episode? Three. Three. I watched it twice. Twice.
0: Uh, I'm a watch once kind of guy. So. <laughs> I'm <only> a watch <laughs>
2: once kind of guy. All yeah. right, so this question is from Martin and Lisey. Did you guys catch anything more the second go around than you did the first?
1: Not
2: on episode one, no. Okay. Um, I mean, not... Like
3: there's certain, like like you said earlier before, like the Reddit stuff, people talking about the Gordon Parks photos, um, just certain stuff like that. It's like you wouldn't know unless you were like really, really, unless you had like a PhD in like African-American studies, like you wouldn't know some of this stuff.
2: So I went back and watched episode 1 after watching episode 4 and I got to say I feel like they gave it all up in epi- like the first scene of episode 1 the dream sequence man did, did, have, have you guys really thought any, any any about that like the dream sequence of episode 1
1: Yes nah. but yes I I mean obviously there's deep meaning there but I um watching that dream sequence three times now um I have I have some feelings about what's probably going to happen next week. Right. But we'll see. <laughs> I mean go ahead. Give yeah. your thoughts.
2: So well, I mean just the whole like um All right. The spaceships that came. So, you know, it started off they were in the he's trenches in the of war. the Korean War, mm-hmm. you know, he's 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 killing people, this whole, you know, it's it's war going on all around him. He jumps over this fence. Uh even mm-hmm. more craziness and evilness. Um, these, this, these spaceships come in, like these UFO spaceships come in and there's like a red woman that drops out of it. First and mm-hmm. foremost, that, that character, it looks like we're going to her in season six is that G. N. character, uh, uh, the, the Korean woman,
1: Jamie is, from the real world. I don't even know her last name. Yeah, Jamie Chong, <laughs> I think
2: is, is her real name. Jamie um, something. <laughs> so, so she's, she's, uh, descending from, one of the UFO spaceships, you know she's uh-huh. all in red looks like I guess maybe that's blood. I don't know. She's completely covered in red and descending from um uh, one of these UFO spacecrafts, man and I, I just feel like that whole dream sequence is mad symbolism to what's happening. you know you got you got the monsters, you got the you, you know, um, God damn whats that? forgetting names, man um the baseball player man that Chadwick Bozeman played. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie, Robinson. Robinson. Jackie Robinson comes out, f- splits the uh, splits the alien in half with his baseball bat. And, you know, he says that line that they referenced back in, like, episode three mm-hmm. um, when they talk about the fight between, I guess there was a fight that Montrose and uh, Uncle George had when they were kids. And then uh, some, some strange guy just came out of the woodworks with a bat and says, you know, uh, what's the quote he says? Like. I got you, kid or something like that and sort of saves the day. Um, so that was a call back to that. Obviously that's a big moment. Um, I think in the brothers development and it's, and it's sort of a big thing. If tick is dreaming about it, it's a big thing, right? Like that's what I'm kind of learning here is that it seems like uh, anytime tick goes, in, tick goes into these dream sequences. Um, there's just a lot of revelation I, and, I, and just about the show in general. There's just a lot of revelation in every single scene to me um that's happening but uh um so i i I don't know man um uh i don't even know how to attack episode one man because it seems like that's just the entree to get into the rest of it
3: i I have a question just about the whole series for lazy um you've seen all of underground right
1: um yeah probably all but like the last three episodes but they didn't conclude the series so yeah
3: yeah (laughs) so how does this how does underground like is the tone of underground is similar to the tone of this or how does it really compare because i've never seen
1: yes and no they use some of the same devices in terms of like the modern music juxtaposed with like the period setting um of slavery and underground i really really liked underground a lot um which you know misha green being the showrunner for that and this kind of really gave like um credence to my excitement for this and made me even more excited but tonally like i think there's like a lot more they can get away with um and apparently like underground was a very expensive show for the network which is why they didn't continue it allegedly um <laughs> mm-hmm. right. so yeah. um i imagine she even has a larger budget with hbo and that shows up in that way but like underground doesn't didn't require a whole lot of special effects like back to my original point but There's, you know, like, overlaying the uh, audio for, like, things that they had to license from, like, James Baldwin and For Colored Girls and that kind of stuff. Like, that stuff was not present. Um, They did a lot of that with music in Underground. Um, But Underground felt very real. Whereas this feels very fantastic. So, no, tonally, it's... They're cousins, but they're not. They ain't sisters, like, you know what I mean? Mm,
3: Yeah.
0: I actually really don't like the use of the modern music in oh, in uh, Lovecraft. Yeah. I I I prefer the either older music or modern music that sounds old. Like I I don't know Rihanna. That just makes Cardi me cringe. Kid. Yeah, oh, no, I, I like. Yeah, I, I, I think it's cheesy, but I I'm I get you. it.
1: Listen, when Rosalie and undergrounds run through the woods and fucking Rick Ross is playing, I'm like, bitch, we running from mascot Like <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs>
2: That's funny. Yeah. I yeah. love it. So. I mean I I'm not saying
0: I'm not saying you can't. Time. Yeah, and I'm not saying you can't do it. It's it's not a universally panned thing, but this show, I remember they didn't I don't I, I may be wrong, but they didn't have anything that was relatively modern in the first episode. And and then when it hits you in the second or third episode, it's kind it feels random. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a like a thing that you've established.
3: No, it they doesn't have, feel they random to me Tiara, because right?
1: I watched something of hers before and I know that she does that. So
0: yeah, they,
3: they had Tierra whack in the first episode. Okay. They sure did. Well, yeah, they did. Hey,
0: well, I mean, I'm just when I uh, Cardi B, I was just like I, my eyes rolled out of the back of my head because <laughs> it just felt so random and it didn't feel artistic. It it felt like a cop out. I don't know, but I I'm a I'm with I, you. It's got to have a right time and place, and this show doesn't.
3: It, this show like kind of reminds me of uh, en, you remember Entourage? Yeah. Like how it's kind of like if you took the songs at the end of Entourage whenever the episode would end, and they would play some music, and just put them in the middle of the episode somewhere. That's kind of how it feels yeah, to me. Uh, it's I mean, like they're good songs when you put them in the right place, but sometimes you put them in the wrong place, and it kind of takes you out of the story to me.
1: Um, It doesn't take me out of the story. I think that music is meant, especially in, in, in film, is meant to um put you in a specific headspace. And I think people of this generation watching something and, and hearing music that's familiar to us is definitely going to put you in that headspace faster than you having to like Google what the hell song this is. So I'm not, and I mean... How many times can people use four women in strange fruit? Like there are a million other things that, you know, come from our culture that we can reference, um, but that are not necessarily as familiar to us to like put us in the headspace as quickly. So like, I'm not mad at it.
2: Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. So episode one is pretty much just the primer to sort of like get us on this journey to Artem, um, where the magic starts to happen. Um, You know, there's a couple of things that that make sense looking back. Like when we're first introduced to Sammy in the alley, he's, you know, receiving.
1: Some sloppy top. um, Yeah. I I was confused about that. And that didn't really make sense to me until this episode. Right. Until uh, until episode five. Because even in episode four, where um, Tree is telling Atticus basically that his father likes men. It comes off as like this very casual thing. Um, So, going back to episode one, after having seen episode five, I'm like, oh, no, him and this man are in a relationship. Right. And that is why he would send, you know, someone would send him to talk to Sammy because Sammy knows what's going on with Montrose because that's his boyfriend. Right. (laughs) Like, so, um, I got it. I didn't understand um, that sex scene so much in the beginning, but I guess, like, they had to signal to you that Sammy's gay um
2: what are you talking about the, the beginning of season or episode
1: in episode one you know when he's in the alley with the guy like oh right right, they, right i guess right. they have to signal that to you early but it just it felt gratuitous at first watch and now like having a bigger picture of what's going on i'm just kind of like oh okay i even though i don't necessarily think that i needed to know that sammy was gay right then like i think i could have found out Sammy was gay at the same point in episode four and come to episode five, knowing Sammy this way and, and still get it.
2: Right. So I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. Um, The show is very methodical that way. It's like they plant these seeds in episode one, episode two that are starting to bear fruit a little bit now. Um, You know, I, I'll tell you a, a, a takeaway for me that I'm paying attention to really close uh, is Dee's character, right? Like she's, you know, um, George's daughter. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tick's cousin um you know she has that comic book where Mm -hmm. that she she sent on the road trip with uh with uncle George and them uh called
1: and Letitia fucking Lewis yeah (laughs)
2: Letitia fucking Lewis (laughs) Arendia Blue right and um the you know the character as as we heard her talking on the phone to her father the character is about basically it, it almost sounded like Captain Marvel in a way it's like this woman who goes from planet to planet um, you know, fixing all the computers on different planets and fixing all the technology on different planets, Um and that's her character. It's Arendia Blue. the The photo drawing of her and the way D drew her on her comic. Man, I I gotta say, I felt like I felt like it resembled. When I got the episode two, I was like, wait a minute, that comic book kind of resembled. Um, Tick's mom. I'm guessing that's who that's who Uncle George was dancing with in episode two, right? That was Tick's Correct. mom. Yeah, yeah. Her comic book drawing kind of resembled Tick's mom in a in a in a way. At least that's what I thought. That's what I kind of like. You know, uh, I'm not saying that's what I took from it. I'm not you know certain that that's what's going on here. But I'm paying very close attention to this Arithia, uh, Arithia Blue uh, comic book, especially knowing that like what came out of this spaceship was a red woman. So, you know, uh, we've heard the term red get thrown around a few times. Um, I know most prominently in episode four, when, uh, when Atticus and, and Montrose were talking and, and Montrose was saying, you know, boy, we the reds here, you know, basically meaning that we're, we are the underdogs in this particular situation, not the
1: Native Americans. Yeah.
2: There you go. There you go. That too. Um, um, so you know a blue and red sort of being juxtaposition here um i'm 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 guessing and these are just these are so I'm just kind of attempting to at this i would i would like for us to make some um some guesses as to what's going on here, where this is taking us in addition to kind of uh bite size Chunks of what's happening from a social perspective. so well, I thought.
3: Oh, sorry.
2: I, one, I thought.
4: Mm-hmm, um, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I,
3: yeah, I thought. Um, Arinthia Blue is just like a, like a reference to like Octavia Butler,
4: mm-hmm.
3: because Octavia Butler is this massive um science fiction writer, a black woman, and like most people don't know her stuff, but Kindred is the movie. I think you think. Antebellum is about. That, Thanks for the spoiler. The <laughs> yeah, but it, it's actually not. It's not based off of kindred. It's, it's just very similar or something like that. Okay. But, uh, she's like a huge science fiction writer, so I thought they just gym, them saying Arinthea Blue was like the initials for Octavia, Octavia Butler. Butler. That's where I took it from.
2: Oh, that makes sense. I mean, that goes over my head. I'm not. I'm not familiar with Octavia Butler. You said she's like a huge science fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a black okay. woman. Um, um, oh, now
1: so one of the things I noticed at the at the in that episode, um, is that Anjanou Ellis' character is named Tapolita, who is the Queen of the Amazons. Um, They keep pronouncing it Hippolyta, but I've always heard it pronounced Tapolita. Now, the thing with that is um, I became familiar with that that particular uh, character from mythology from A Midsummer Night's Dream, and it totally slipped my mind until someone else pointed out to me that the Queen of the Amazons is who? Wonder Woman's mother. And what's Wonder Woman's name? Her name is Diana. And Mm. that is Anjanou Ellis and uh, Courtney B. Vance's daughter. Her name is Diana. Her mother is Hippolyta. So there's something with that. Um, And then after that, I was like, okay, and Atticus's name is like Atticus Freeman, which is similar to Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. And I was like, all right, well, who else has a name based in in uh, literary figures. So I looked up the name Montrose and Montrose is a character from um, an older piece of literature about uh, uh, in a story about a love triangle. So I was like, fuck, they're doing it over here. Like they're just doing all the things in That's front of I'm our saying. faces. <laughs>
2: the layer of weaving like the fabric to this is very deep man. Um, you know, it, a lot of callbacks to a lot of different things um, that are just, you know, all rooted in all, you know culture everywhere, man. Um, Yeah, I'm very impressed with, like, the craftsmanship of this show. Um, Yo, man, what's up with these Shagoth like, uh, monsters coming out of cows? What's that about?
0: I don't know. And I I, I was really hoping they would have touched on that again by now. Like, they kind of left that in episode one, and that's it. You know what I mean? Like we haven't really touched on the. You remember they 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 can infect you if you if they bite you and all that other stuff. And then they match the description that um tick described on the road. Like, yeah. I like I don't know I I I thought that was really interesting that they kind of just came and went and I I'm hoping that they figure out a way to bring that back.
1: So, because I'm gonna be fully transparent and not pretend like I pulled this out of my ass, like so. <laughs> there apparently there are monsters that are recurring in H.P. Lovecraft's writing, and that particular monster is a is a Lovecraft monster, as is the one that you see. At, I don't remember their names, but um, as is the one that you see at the beginning, that's like the the octopus or whatever. Yeah, um, Cthulhu. Thank you. <laughs> so, Cthulhu is it? Is it Cthulhu? You said? Yeah. Okay, so those are those are monsters taken directly from H.P. Lovecraft. As far as him naming it, I was under the impression that he was conjuring the monster because he just randomly like t- said what it was, and then that's what it was. And I was like, nigga, how you know that? Right. So, so yeah. but I was wrong. Yeah. It was just sloppy ass writing. So, so uh-huh. um, I guess that was so. I guess that was for like us people in the cheap seats that like don't know about H.P. Lovecraft to like go, bitch, Google this right um so those monsters to me were like a i mean my brain is doing what it does when we talk right but those monsters to me were like they're vampires and um they were symbolic of racism so like you know to say that like racism once it touches you it infects you and you know you become a part of it and you morph into like racism yourself Um, which doesn't have to be something that's like singular to whiteness. Um, We're all affected by, by white supremacy in that way. Right. Mm. And as far as the cows go, um, cows are sacred. And you have to think about the, the positioning of um, the cult in this show and how like it's born out of Christianity. So Mm. like, if you look at it from that, Context in this country <laughs> it kind of makes sense that a sacred cow would be given birth to like this ugly ugly monster mm. I don't mm. know if I got a little deep there, but
3: i <laughs> I mean, no, I, mean I, I think that scene is just there to show that she um like she has like a motherly side or she has she has some empathy or she's not this like completely cold monster type of thing yeah I mean, I you, think I,
2: that's what it's I for. would like to think it was just sort of like that you know that what I've what I'm learning about this show is that no scene is just they're not frivolous with any scene you know what I'm saying like it's everything everything has a meaning here and I know that's usually true for writing in general but like that's that's like like specifically true for for this so I I feel like there's I think
3: I think like 90 percent of the tree scenes are frivolous and could be cut
2: of which scenes you said tree
3: the tree yeah
2: okay yeah uh, perhaps i mean yeah, i don't think get,
3: that I, I mean i'm sure he's like a good person and he's a decent actor but i i kind of just every time he shows up i'm like this dude again
2: you're like <laughs> watch him come save the day uh, so so i thought it was interesting that spell that they that they had on him. like the next day they completely forgot everything that happened
4: um, <laughs> what, what do you
2: feel like that was a commentary to Because it, it's like they, they got into this mode of comfortable, you know, they were comfortable in this castle. And then it's like they just kind of forgot all the trauma that they dealt with. Is that like a kind of a callback to how I was things trying to
1: Yeah, like, I was trying not to be the next one to talk, but I guess I will be. So oh, okay. <laughs> so um, that being said, like, you have to think about how they got them there before you realize that they don't know what happened the night before. Um, they they gave them like things that they wanted to like entertain them and distract them. And like, then they weren't able to like, remember the trauma that they had experienced. That's definitely symbolic. I think that was actually kind of like on the nose nose, Um, (laughs) more so than like something you had to think very deeply about. Um, I mean, if we're, if we're moving on to like episode three, I don't know, but, I also thought that like that was the, that was like a way of them weaving their magic over these black people. But when these black people needed help, they were able to to like call on help from their ancestors and they had magic from their ancestors that protected them like against these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um So I think, like, digging deeper into yourself and and being more rooted in your own truth as opposed to, like, trying to fit yourself into someone else's truth was, like, another message of protection about, like, the kind of magic that we already possess that we're just not accessing. Mm. Well, it's
0: interesting you say that because, I mean, I think that's one of the most common themes of the entire show. I mean, even given back to, um, I mean, I'm going to jump ahead to episode five, which was basically every character trying to hide or subdue what they really potentially want to be. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, from from Montrose being gay to Ruby to um the sorceress, or I don't, I don't remember her name. Christina. Um, yeah. You know, to everybody wants something and, uh, you know, and it's manifesting in different ways. And, you know, she wants to be a man so she can be accepted into the, into the club and all that other shit you know so i, I think that's that's the one common thing that i've noticed about the show is that everybody is exhibiting traits of wanting to potentially be something else
3: oh cool. by the way how long did it take y'all to figure out that she was william
2: uh, um, I, Someone I,
1: brought it to my attention the previous episode. I
2: was about to say, I, I kind yeah. of, I, I kind of honed in on it on episode four. I was like, yo, I think they're the same person. And then when she walked in the house and it.
1: walked back out, it kind of became obvious. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I thought so from episode one, but Damn. that's probably. I mean, I've read the books and the book. Well, like it's a you, guy. Well, so, get out of here,
2: so, But Martin. Episode, but well, no, there William is no William, William in the book though, one.
1: right? In the in the book, no, it's, she, he, it's she, called
3: Yeah, it's Caleb. So Christina is like basically Caleb from the book. Right. Yeah, so I just figured I just figured it out cuz they had the same job. Like both William and Christina their job in episode 2 was to deal with the black people when episode 1 was to deal with the black people. I mean, them doing the same job and them never being in the same place at the same time, I just figured they were the same person. And also there's a show called Lock and Key with yeah. the villain and- <laughs> The villain in lock and key can change genders pretty easily. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, I like that they pulled that out. So let me let me rewind back to episode two. So you remember when they had they had him in the the uh the separate rooms and then the, you know, like the, uh people you know, they, they had an episode. So like with Letty, um, you know, Tick came into the room, you know, with Uncle George it was it was uh Tick's Dora. mother and then with um, and then with with Atticus, it was uh, the the Korean woman. Um, it hit me. I was like, uh, it kind of hit me there. I was like, man, are, is this spell sort of bringing in people that they love and make like like it's everybody that came in there kind of represented who that person loved. You you understand what I am saying? Or so something
1: like, that they wanted, yeah
2: yeah something yeah, that they desired. wanted okay desires so that's so that's what I was supposed to take from that
0: that's how I took it I took it as is that everybody experienced something that they desired um and I mean I mean and it goes back to what I was saying is that I think the show is about that I think there that's been a very common thread through almost every episode is just this desire um and what what it what it means to you
1: Mm, I took from that not so much that these were things that they desire but these were just points uh uh that are vulnerable for them um because we don't know what Attica's relationship to to what's her name Jaya
2: G- Jaya, G- is it
1: Jaya? J- J- G- J- or G- Jaya Jaya G- um G- I, G- I, something like that I don't I don't we don't know what their relationship really is and I have a feeling in episode 6 we're not going to like him at the end of it but
2: (laughs) well i i think we kind of got clues to it i think he was i think he was in love with her and and that's kind of what i think he thought
1: he was in love with her up to a certain point
2: potentially but but you know um so so in the first episode when he when he first comes back to chicago and he make you know he makes the call to to korea you know um and you know it doesn't say anything so for so i'm just thinking back to the time frame right in, in 1955 for you to call long distance all the way to a to a whole nother country there has to be there's something right um uh and then you know with the spell thing with her coming back in you know him dreaming about her yeah there's yeah there's like a, a high affinity uh, there's definitely a high affinity there um i'm i'm with you i guess we'll find out what that is um which I mean, I, you know, I
3: took that whole scene as just being um about like white people being entertained by black pain. Yep. <laughs> and it, it's not, a, it's not enough just to like have them go through these um, hallucinations where they're just being tortured. Like they have to get, they have to be entertained by them being tricked and then being like tortured in a way. So I mean, I, I, that's a very, that's a very prevalent like. I guess one of our biggest exports as, as the black community in entertainment is pain and I mean I think that's what it was a commentary on
0: right yeah sorry about
2: that you know, no,
3: the- no offense
2: <laughs> <laughs> in episode 5 when Tick was dreaming about Hannah his, his ancestor his great ancestor that was the first um, the first uh. she was what, a survivor of the
1: first like, tr- like uh, the,
2: the beginning of the bloodline wanna- to the what's the name of the family the not Whites.
3: No, they're not yeah, Freemans. White.
1: No. Yeah, no. White. No, she's, whatever his mother's maiden name is, she's not She's not the beginning of the bloodline. She's the beginning of the black bloodline.
2: <laughs> that, but that's <laughs> what I'm talking them, about. Yeah, yeah Atticus's bloodline. She's the beginning of Atticus's bloodline. When So when she was running out of the castle and she mouthed something, did y'all take a stab at what y'all thought she was saying?
0: No. I can't read no. lips to save my life. Try.
2: It yeah. looked like she was saying, like, the guess that I made, I it looked like she said one of two things. Uh, to me, I either thought she said, um, "Oh, where'd I write it here? Oh, where'd I write it? It's somewhere in my notes here. Hold on, guys. It's on this page full of stuff. Uh, it basically, because I don't see it here, it looked like she said, like, let it like, burn it all down. Like, let it burn down or something like that. It looks like she said, you have to let it burn. That's what I thought she said. Or you have to play blind. And I know those are like two different things, but um, obviously I feel like whatever she said when she was running out of the house is very important. He asked her to repeat it. And then, you know, we never got the end of that. And then that episode ended with a message that said something like suffering or dying. And then he called the creator and was like, you know, how did you know? So there's something going on, obviously, with 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 whatever happened in Korea, um, and and circling back to something you said, Corey, it it just to take it a little step deeper, it almost seems like um the motif that I'm starting to get is like what you do when you are in the shoes of your oppress, you know, like people sort of like becoming their oppressor. In, in, in a sense. Right. Like like you look at Montrose. Right. So I took him when he killed uh, Yahima. Right. When he killed Yahima, I kind of figured that was because of like, you know, she was dual spirited. She was of masculine and femi- feminine energy. And that's kind of like a weird space for him being homosexual, I guess. You know, um
1: I don't think it had anything to do with that, but go
2: ahead. <laughs> I mean, well, so this is what I took from it. I don't, I don't think, I mm-hmm. think there's many ways that you can go from this, right? Like the, what I took from it um, is, is that it kind of like played on his sexual insecurity in a sense, right? Like the otherness, the otherness of what Yahima is made him feel a certain way. So it's almost like a commentary on, um, almost like a commentary on, uh, you know, being homophobic, you know what I mean? And, and in a, in a weird way. It's, that's kind of what I took from it. Right. So in, in that particular instance, it's like, if I'm gathering that correctly, the thing that is causing him to oppress what he is, he is becoming that to Atticus. You know what I'm saying? Like he's very suppressive of like Atticus's curiosity. Um, everything that his father was to him, he's kind of it's 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 cyclical and then we see it with tick sort of being cyclical in his relationship with letty but letty is just like you know she's she's a little stronger she's a little bit more head-on with these emotions so she's not being bullied by it like she's standing up to it in a certain way so that's kind of what i'm gathering and then that took it a step further with ruby it's like these things that she felt like were holding her back in the world you know uh you know, her being overlooked. She's a black woman. And, you know, you saw it with the conversation with her and the other the other young black lady that was working at the department store. It's like she had no education, but Ruby had done all these things to sort of like prepare herself and to be the best that she can be in this particular situation. But um
1: she felt for whatever entitled. Reason,
2: I can't I don't know if she didn't apply or. No, she, she did
1: apply. She she felt entitled. So I, I do listen to the um, companion um, podcast, the Lovecraft Country Radio. Um, and they didn't, they did, they got into that, but they didn't really get into that. But it's purposeful that the, the woman is not light skinned and she looks like her.
4: Right.
1: Um, and she's asking her all these questions because of what you said, too. Like, she's kind of taking on some of the mindset of, like, entitlement you know what I mean? Of the privilege of, of entitlement of like, well, this should be mine. Like why, why you and not me. And you don't deserve this because you're not me. Well, she has it. And it, it wasn't ever yours to begin with. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that I agree, um, about, you know, Montrose not accepting, um, his queerness being his reasoning for killing, um, the the two spirit um i can't think of her name then the the Arawak woman what was her name yahima, yahima. Yeah. um i don't i don't know that i agree with that what i do what i did pick up on though is that um montrose is symbolic of the violence that has been perpetuated through his bloodline and mm-hmm. atticus is working very hard to break that for himself so i don't think like you're all the way off base there but i don't know that yahima represents something about himself that he dislikes so much as I think he's trying to protect Atticus in the ways that he knows how and the, the thing that he knows to do is to be violent. Um so I don't I don't necessarily I, think I, that I really, he was like afraid of her because she's intersex. I, I really so.
0: agree with you because I noticed something that after he um Tick beat up his dad, I noticed in the writing or in the editing he was. He kept apologizing, he kept like, there were so many references, like there were like three or four back to back to back about him being hesitant to being violent or apologetic for being violent or saying that he wouldn't go to a certain place. And it stood out to me. Like it really, really stood out as like, why do you keep referencing this? Why are we constantly stating this in this short amount of time frame? And then we got to see Journey's cheeks. So, um, uh, <laughs> and you <know>. we're back. <laughs> and, and, but, you know, I agree with you. Like, it was like they, they made a point to remind you that he was trying to not be violent,
1: even well, though he th- beat the
0: shit out of his dad. But,
1: yeah, I think too, like, um, if you listen to an episode, um, what is it, episode four? At the very beginning, he's, like, uh, having some memory around, like, treatment from his—Montrose is having some memory around from treatment childhood. from his own father. Yeah. And so he—that um, trauma causes him to embody the violence that was inflicted upon him. And even though that violence also exists within Atticus, he is rebelling against it, trying to overcome it. So I think, like, he's just—he's trying to, like, break some cyclical things that are going on on both sides of his family.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so you know, kind of going back to him killing Yahima, I think it's one of those things that we're never going to get a clear answer on, right? Like, I, I think it's just one of those things that push the journey forward a little bit, but we're never going to get a clear answer on why he did it. Um, um, but but that's what I took from it, and and, and mainly, I'm not saying that that was the intention of the writer. That's what I took from it, uh, and mainly so, mainly more because. That's where we, where we went with episode five into like just full exploration of that. And we saw how cathartic it was for him to be around that environment where, he, you know, this is the fir- that's the first, you know, when he was in sort of that drag environment and and, and and everything like that. That's the first time we've seen Montrose be completely like vulnerable in that way. Right. Like and he had to get his ass whooped and go all the way to the pits right like all the way to the bottom the pits of like his son probably feeling like his son'll never love him again or whatever the case may be just to be able to access that like I'm free spirited you know what i mean like like i'm embracing this and 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 i feel like um that's that's what kind of brought me to that moment a little bit is just seeing the juxtaposition um, between how how episode 4 ended and how what happened episode, in episode yeah. 5
1: uh, so I one of the things that I picked up on and I'm sure y'all did too because you're smart people but <laughs> <laughs> um, the Africanized um, cicadas or locusts or whatever you want to call them that they that they were talking about like heading towards white people or whatever and how they were such a threat um, right. So the thing about a cicada or a locust is that they shed their skin. And so like people in this episode were shedding things about themselves. Um, obviously it's, it's right in your face with Ruby and Christina, right? Like. Right. um
2: Ruby that was newscast going was the newscast was placed on the first time.
1: That you see somebody coming out of their skin. Correct. Yes, um, I think but, that was
2: done on purpose.
1: So I think like there's um, obviously with Christina and Ruby, like, you know, they're they're having to shed shed and they they're growing into things that they think they want but they're constantly like shedding those things as well right Mm -hmm. um with the patriarchy being the thing for christina and then like whiteness being a thing for ruby um these are things that i'm aspiring to but like as i grow into them i'm also wanting to destroy them so um with um montrose is something different like he's shedding being closeted um and just just open him up himself up to his actual truth and then too like i think that atticus is trying to work through shedding you know the violence in him so each person has something that they're like trying to step outside of there
2: right
1: and i thought that that was really interesting but you know like i said that was that was right there <laughs> yeah. for all of us
2: Do you, is letty's dad white maybe I think I feel like Letty's dad may be white because it's pretty obvious that Letty, Ruby, and their brother—I forget—brother. She has a
1: different dad. Yeah, they all
2: have different fathers, right? Y'all pick that up, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, yeah. For some reason, I'm feeling like Letty's dad is white. Um, and what kind of brought me to that was in episode three. You know, the whole episode about the house, which was an amazing episode. You know, like the the haunted house. Um. Um, when she was walking through the party and giving everybody drinks, you kind of overheard a conversation, uh, which I thought was brilliantly placed and, and, you know, and kind of may spawn a learning moment, right. Where they were talking about this new revolutionary who popped up named Martin, but he was dating a white girl. Um, and they, and, and it was kind of very subtle in the conversation. And she, you know, she poured a drink and she was walking away and she said, well, um, just because he liked, you know, just because he liked white women doesn't mean he can't be a revolutionary and fight for the people. Right. Like she was kind of it was kind of like a, it was a real moment, probably, probably of how she actually felt. Um, but it, it seemed like it was also sort of, sort of posing a question to, you know, the audience. You know, the a conversation that you know has come up a lot in the past few years is like, you know, can you be pro black and date outside of your race? You know, know how I
1: feel about that, but um... (laughs)
2: yeah, a lot of people have different answers (laughs) Mm -hmm. to that, right? So I kind of feel like that—that's what that moment was speaking to. But that moment made me say, "Yo, I wonder if Letty's dad is white, just because her." Well, Journey's father is
1: white. Um, Journey's father is white. Yeah, Yeah.
0: in real life, in
2: real
1: life, right? Um, I I don't know if that was Journey speaking right then, or if that was Letty speaking right then. They definitely have um. They definitely have different fathers. We know that, but mm-hmm. as far as her father being white, he might be. He might just be a very light skinned black man. I mean, maybe we'll find out at some point. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Um, because it sounds like their mother just was weak on men, I guess. Um, right. And the 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 thing about Martin, like part of it was exaggerated. I think. I think he had a relationship with a white woman, but I don't think he was like engaged to her or anything like that.
2: Right. Um that was my first time ever hearing something like that. I never heard that, so that, that not was not
1: mine um i don't know. I don't think we know how I feel about calling yourself pro black when you are in relationship seriously with someone who is not black um but as far, I don't think that that takes away your ability to be a revolutionary or that yeah. um discredits your ability in any way to be a revolutionary or to fight for certain causes. I just think like we don't have to apply every label to ourselves um, to validate what we're doing in our experiences. If you, if that makes any sense. So do I, do I think you can be pro-black in those situations? No, I don't, but I don't think you have to be. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Um, I don't think you have to be. I don't think you have to be any one thing or all of anything to, to make a difference or to make good change in the world. So it's kind of a moot point like labels are labels and they're they only make as much sense as you allow them to i, I i'm curious i'm curious about that too but i don't know if it matters to me like she's still black
2: she- yeah well <laughs> and i'm not and i'm not saying that for anything other than i wonder how it's going to tie because we're finding out that you know atticus is from a white bloodline right or part of him. Well, is we from, all are yeah yeah but but it's all right, so this is what I'm saying. It's like we've got the actual story of what's happening, you mm-hmm. know, with this wizardry, the sorcery, the Sons of Adam thing, you know, all of that. There's that, and then there's, like, these little nuggets of, of you know, social commentary that are put in there, and they both sort of service each other. So even though it's like, yeah, you know, we all are, we all like, it seems like it's very specific to this story, you know, like, uh. he's he was... You know, Tick was very specifically able to access whatever he accessed to fuck up the entire. You know, to bring that whole castle down. Because I think
3: that was Christina.
1: No, it wasn't. It was Hannah. (laughs)
3: Because she gave she
2: gave him the well, but he was he was he was was Hannah saved him. Christina did not save him. He was able to sit at the table because of this, you know. It seems like this is the core of that journey, you know. Whatever Montrose was doing there, what was what is Montrose doing there in the first place? What was he doing? I
0: was place? I've been asking that since the, that's I part of the good. damn tagline, right? For the whole show is that um, Tick was trying to find his dad, and it was like he fucking found him. So like. You know, like what the fuck was he doing there in the first
3: place? Well, that, they they kidnapped. They basically well, I mean, told him, yeah, yeah they kidnapped they him, and him and told him he was gonna. There was gonna be information about his ex wife. Well, not his ex wife, his, his late wife, it, right? Yeah. And that was basically to get Tick to come there because they needed Tick for the ritual.
0: Right.
3: Yeah. Um, man. yeah. Fuck
0: episode two.
1: On a a symbolic level, when we were talking earlier about breaking cyclical curses, like you have to think about um, very specifically things that we know about Atticus. Right. So we know that he is a slave descendant on his mother's side and we know that on his father's side, he's not. Their name is Freeman. That's very purposeful. Right. Um, when he was like the Freemans were never slaves, I'm like, duh, because your name is Freeman. Yeah. Freeman. (laughs) So if you think about it from the perspective of like, what are the, what are the curses that he's trying to break on one side of his heritage as opposed to the other and how those things like influence how he comes to be a whole person. Like it's not necessarily a stretch. I don't know. I don't know that like as African American people, we have any access to whiteness um I mean I know that we don't um there I'm there here. are parts huh what'd you I'm say I'm here
0: I'm here that's not what I mean when <laughs> I, know. I when I say yeah. access to whiteness I mean access
1: to whiteness through just your 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 existence and your birthright right so mm. like um <laughs> you're funny <laughs> I don't you're not white you're apricot so
4: um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um so that being said, um, you made me lose my train of thought. I hate you. <laughs> Sorry. We,
4: we don't, don't have I access don't, to our white. We
1: don't have access to our white ancestors and their traditions and the privileges associated with having white ancestry. So um, I liken that back to like listening to John Leguizamo um, and like when he was talking about he had that special on Netflix about like being a Latin American. He kept identifying with. Um, being Native American and, and being part African and then like the colonizers and the conquistadors like as being separate from him when in reality like those are his ancestors also you know white folks are our ancestors also but we don't really have any access to that like I don't see myself as being a part of that because we've been purposefully excluded from it so I don't know that like the exploration of him having white people in his ancestry is anything specific to like the nature of being biracial, if that makes any sense. Um, Cause I mean, for unless they can pass like biracial people don't have access to whiteness either. They have proximity to it, but they don't, I mean, at no point do they, do they spend their time, you know, people who, and specifically people who are mixed um black and white in this country at no point, like, are they experiencing being white? Um, right. you either you're either white or you're not, and they're never a white person. Like they're not fifty percent of the time getting to be white. So, I, I mean, I could see where you go that way, but I don't. I mean, that's not that's not a tangible thing to me.
2: Well, so the question I just keep posing, like, what is this metaphorical journey to the center of the universe that's happening? Right? It's like they're Like, what 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 is the exploration here that? we're taken on a fantasy level like you know forget the social commentary like what's the journey that we're actually on at this point you know like what's the character's motivations at this point um you know are are they trying to bring down the sons of adam like you know are they trying to I mean, they've got Montrose now, like, you know, they know what happened to Uncle George. Well, Hippolyta doesn't. So it seems like she's about to open up a can of like, what the fuck happened. Yes, she does. Uh, Huh? Yes, she does. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of with you
0: because, you know, at first I thought this show was going to be like an X-Files and Fringe type situation where, you know, after episode three, I thought it was going to be like these kind of side journeys Mm -hmm. that get mixed in with the bigger picture. But then episodes four and five have been very linear, in my opinion, with the bigger picture. So like I have no fucking clue. Um and I like it though. I I, I you know, <laughs> I kind of enjoyed it, you know. Well
2: well, I know, okay, so we know one thing. Um Christina was looking for the Ori, right? Uh-huh. The whole Ori thing that that Hippolyta found and she was trying to figure out what she was it was she's trying to unlock
1: it mm-hmm.
2: yeah to unlock it so we know that Christina from episode 4 we we know that she's looking for that because that's kind of i guess a uh, key to help unlock it's whatever hiram was doing hiram Epstein was doing um she uttered the words
0: time travel i believe something related to that so yeah. i think
1: so yeah. that bring coming back to what you were saying about um orinthia blue i think orinthia blue is Hippolyta, or Hippolyta, I Hippolyta. think that is that is who she is. Like she th- is the person who travels between universes and, be- and in time. Um, she becomes like a superhero later. I think that's very obvious from the uh, the preview at the end of the first episode that that she becomes a time traveler. Mm. Um, she does eventually unlock it. So you, to your point though, Corey, about it being side journeys, if you are watching like each one of these episodes kind of follows one of the characters through something
0: yeah so you
1: know this last episode was really about ruby ruby um whereas the previous one i'd say was more so about montrose
2: yeah yeah and then the one before that was was
1: about letty Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and then the next one is about atticus so i mean we got an episode i feel like episode two was more so it was about atticus but you get to see a lot more about uncle george yeah. So I feel six,
2: like six is about to be more atticus because it's like Korea right it's, it's gonna be a focus on him and then obviously we're him and Gian gN whatever
0: i I don't know because I mean if you've you know a lot of shows like this. Who hasn't had an episode? Christina, or what is her name? Christina, um, you said?
3: I mean, Dee's going to get her own episode. Hippolyta is going to get her own episode yeah. if mm-hmm. it's just following it, it, the books. So. I
0: mean, if you really want to go the distance, you do the whole season that way, where everybody gets their own episode. But I, I think you're going to see the next couple episodes, we're going to see that trend. We're going to see that everybody gets their own episode that contributes to the bigger picture. Right. So, so what's that's, the bigger picture? That's p-treat? that's
1: what the that's the arc. That's what I that's what Martin is saying. Mm-hmm. That's the arc that the book follows. It's, it's um, the short, short stories that are interwoven. They're related.
3: I mean, See, I, 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 I guess I guess I would say the way the way it's all related is, I mean, in the book, it's very much like in the book, it's Caleb who kind of helps out Atticus, even though Atticus does it himself. Caleb helps out Atticus and keeps him from dying. It goes to him and says, blackmails him and says, You owe me. I need you to do this, this, and this for me. And he also kinda like sneaks his way into affecting other people in Atticus's circle. And sometimes they just find this magic on their own. But a lot of times it's Caleb behind behind the scenes, like doing stuff. So I guess this is kind of the same way whereas Christina obviously gave the money to Letty. For her, the mm-hmm. for her to buy the house and certain stuff like that, where she's, she's going to be manipulating stuff behind the scenes again, the and basically using these black people as guinea pigs, so she isn't in like any danger herself. Basically,
1: having read the book, like, did you enjoy the book? A friend of mine, who's you know, I don't like to be in these groups because I feel like people spoil stuff. But like <laughs> having read the book, did you enjoy the book? Like,
3: I mean, I think it was okay. I didn't love it, but I thought it was okay.
1: Yes, from what I heard, I like the show more. Didn't like it. They felt like a, that that the show was like fixing things that were wrong in the stories yeah. in the book.
3: And yeah, it's, it's, they, they definitely make a lot of changes that I like in the show.
1: What ha- what so uh, because it's already aired, and if it's if it's too spoilery, you can let me know. But a friend of mine said that. Um, People who read the book said that episode two ends very differently from what happens in the book because what happens in the book is stupid. So that even though we were like, God, episode two was a lot like that. The book is even worse in terms of that story.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. episode. I mean, in the book, I don't think the um, I don't think the house is destroyed or anything.
4: Uh-huh. It's
3: basically Caleb like during the before the ceremony, Caleb gives Atticus this uh, these words to say. And the words oh, basically so he taught him
1: the language of Adam as opposed yeah, he, to him already yeah, knowing yeah. it.
3: And the words basically reflect the um whatever's happening to him, it reflects that back on the uh, other people and they die. Mm. Basically. And then after that, Caleb is like, you owe me, type of thing. But mm, later okay. on, yeah.
1: So it's so in the show, like he, he finds the power to do these things himself.
3: I mean, I would say that uh Christina giving him the ring with the mm and just sign it. inscribe stuff on it yeah i think that definitely helped <laughs> i think she was definitely setting her dad up and his friends to get killed
1: well i mean you know atticus says that <laughs> so.
3: yeah yeah
2: the, so i i noticed something just in going back in episode two there was like a seal that was in the ceiling when um they they first went to like the whole i guess the what what, what would you call that like the the hall that they met for the, the sons lodge of Adam, meeting. The,
1: mm-hmm. the
2: lodge meeting. There you go. In the lodge. There was like a crest in the lodge that it showed us three names, right? It showed us um Braithwaite. It showed us um um Winthrop, which obviously came into play with episode three with the Winthrop House. And then it started showing us what looked like uh Tannenhauser, which if you remember when um Tony Goldwyn, uh Samuel Braithwaite when he was talking about the painting, the, you know the, his favorite painting that kind of like portrayed, I guess this moment in time that God asked called upon Adam to help give definition in order to like these animals in the in the kingdom. Um, it was painted by uh, Joseph Tannenhauser, mm-hmm. so I feel like that name Tannenhauser is going to come into play again just because just because it was in the seal and they showed it to us. It was very subtle. Um, But I wonder how it's going to manifest, you know, hoping, just guessing that it, it may manifest itself later on.
1: For somebody who feels gonna... like they're digesting this shallowly, you are seeing all kinds of shit I didn't notice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, man, going back and watching it a second time. like I watched after... the shit three
1: times and I did not see that. <laughs> oh, OK,
2: OK. Yeah, it was. I'm just like picking up on all. And it's mainly because it's like it just seems like everything that they do. Gets its explanation somewhere, man, and I'm, you know, I I would just love to be a fly on the wall in the writers' rooms of this particular show specifically, man, because it just seems like every scene probably resulted in days worth of conversations. You know, these things are not accidental, right? Like all of these little, like I don't know, just these sprinkles, man. They they're just not accidental. And I know as somebody who has attempted to write screenplays and things like that, um, it's very easy just to put words on paper. Right. But as soon as you are realizing that you're on this, that you're on message, right, that you're on message and you're trying to craft something that is a lot more dense than the naked eye can really see, it just calls for every single every single line item has to have a conversation. So when we're seeing like, I don't, I don't, I I just can't explain it other than like, I mean, you guys see it right in front of you, man. Just everything sort of has its own recourse and and its own thing. You know, Denmark VC being the name of a, uh, the Denmark VC bar being the name of the bar that, you know, Samuel owns. Uh, uh, um, You know, you guys talked about the that I didn't pick up on the the whole Gordon parks, the photos, like all of this stuff is constructed from conversation, you know, and it's not just, it ain't like one or two people writing these shows. It's like, you know, eight, nine, 10 people, maybe, you know, staff writers on these shows. I just, I wonder what the writer's rooms look like, man, because some of these decisions that they're making are probably very, very, very taxing or even cathartic. Right. To even talk about like, you know, um, Uh, just thinking about uh, Ruby's whole episode, right? Being in the skin Mm -hmm. of a white woman, man, like as a black woman writing that, I would imagine that, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's wild, right? She literally stuck her foot up, you know, the manager's ass, right? She took off her stiletto, stiletto and, and stuck it up his ass. Like literally that was a conversation and it was probably a very thick conversation where, you know, I can imagine women saying like, "Oh, you know." Some women may be saying that may be extreme, and then other ones like, "Nigga, please!" Like,
1: I, you really need to listen to the Lovecraft Country radio. They address all of that.
2: <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I I need. What, what? Where can you listen to that podcast?
1: Everywhere. Okay.
2: Okay. It's I have. To, I have to check for that.
1: Um, the one of the women that's on the podcast is a writer. Um, on the show.
2: And she talked about that
1: specifically when they were like, we're going to turn Ruby into a white woman. She was like, I fucking hate that. (laughs) Yeah. But they talked about the stiletto and, and all that.
2: Yeah. Just, I mean, even what, what that represents, man, you know, like having to, having to confront that, I think confronting some of these things that they're talking about, you know, I don't know how it is like, you know, in your family, Corey, or just really in all you guys' families, period, you know, um, secrets and sort of like suppression of feelings just seems like the 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 threaded fabric of like my family the generation that came before me they don't like to talk about shit you know taking them back to a certain specific place in time comes with a very like abrasive conversation like you you damn near have to be like an interrogation like perform interrogation tactics and box them in to get them to talk about things, you know? So confronting some of this stuff that they're confronting on this show, I couldn't imagine that my grandmother could watch this. You know, she couldn't watch some of this because it probably takes her back to a very palpable place where it's like, yo, this shit represents a time in my life where it just really wasn't good, you know? So I'd rather not, you know, back to that thing about episode two, I'd rather not think about it, you know, like... It, it, the present is fine for me like i don't re, i don't need to relive the past because i really lived it you know um,
1: I, i've only had my my paternal grand my well my parents um having um been in high school in the 60s my mother went to a segregated high school my father went to an integrated high school and their <laughs> experiences and their relationships to race i think are not so far apart but are in the space of nuance, there's a huge chasm there. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of my grandparents and having those kinds of conversations, I talked to my paternal grandmother is the only one who's really specifically talked to me about race. Um, My maternal grandmother um, is very, very educated and came up through like HBCUs and like very much flourished in that space. Um, Whereas my father's family is like more like, Everybody worked, but like more like blue collar people. Right. And um, the only thing I can ever think of that I can think of that would like my 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 maternal grandmother would be like, oh my god, so much gay, so much violence, so much blood, so much sex, like that. That would be her reaction. Like the Christian in her would be like, oh, I'm mad at my skin. And my paternal <laughs> grandmother, who was a minister, um, mm-hmm. probably not so much. But she, I know that she like does not like to see black women with white men. She don't like that shit. Mm. <laughs> like
2: um, <laughs> 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 um She a kick out of Corey.
1: <laughs> um I don't think the inverse of that bothers her as much. I don't think her seeing like black men with with white women is as bothersome to her. I think that's more of a thing for like people who are like Gen X and like, you know, early millennials like myself. Right. Um but she was just saying like she doesn't understand why someone would choose that. She was like, our ancestors didn't have a choice in that. Like, so I think Mm -hmm. that like seeing like Ruby and William would probably be very triggering to her. But outside of that, like, I don't really know. I don't think she would be super triggered by the rest of that though. Cause you know,
2: she was there. What I really liked about episode three. um, I love the idea of it started off with Letty, you know, in a very, you know, in a very Christian environment very religious environment, watching people catch the Holy Ghost, all this other shit.
1: And it passing right over her. <laughs>
2: you're right, right. And then what the thing that ended up saving her was her accessing the ancestors, you know? And I think that that's like, that's a real conversation, right? The thing that ended up helping her in that episode, she called on all the dead spirits that had been, you know, uh, that had been, you know, tortured and, and, and killed in that house. It's, it's you know, like... Um, Ghost, right? Like ghost stories was always a thing growing up, um, and some t- you know that word ancestors is like the translation of that. It can get kind of funky, right? Because it's like if you don't think of if you don't think of it in a certain space, and then you know them using the Ouija board was kind of like the best example of that, because it's like. <laughs>
1: If, if, One of my if, friends said that was very like black people don't fuck with Ouija boards. They were like that shit not. was un- that was unrealistic as shit. Yeah. Like- <laughs> it, it,
2: it is, it is, but in in a that's a good metaphor for like I'm not gonna say it's a good metaphor for it, but when we say calling on the ancestors, that's kind of a derivative of the same thing, right? No, like, it's not. No, like if you if we were to say, all right, so like Corey, me saying calling on the ancestors, what what, what does that mean to you?
0: Um, I, I, I wouldn't think of a, a Ouija board though, or Ouija board. <laughs> right. I, r- but you think I, I mean, I, I mean, people use that term. I I've heard that term before, but I mean, that could be anything from praying classical praying to, you know, group praying to, to the actual Ouija board. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that has a lot of different avenues for that.
2: Right. So so it, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing, Lisey, but I guess is what I'm saying is that is like there's a very loose interpretation of like accessing spiritual energy. Right. Like and, and how you believe or how you've practiced that or how that's been passed down to you. That really determines and where you sit to that, right, where you sit. Um, on the other side of that, when somebody says that, not having an understanding what that is, that can sound like talking to ghosts. That can sound you that are can,
1: though. That's
2: so that's what so, I'm saying. But, so, but there's so, a go ahead.
1: Okay, there's. <laughs> I don't remember where I heard this conversation because I talk about this show with a lot of people a lot of times. So like, if you were the person who had this conversation with me, like, please, I feel like it was my friend Jersey, but like maybe not. Shout out to Brooklyn T. Um, mm-hmm. Talking about your relationship to your ancestors and what you perceive your ancestors to be like and their relevance in your life. So us looking to our ancestors, right? African-American people specifically have um, been taught to, like, be fearful of our ancestral beliefs and to, like, basically turn away from them and shun them. So, like, her coming through and slaughtering the goat and having the blood of protection on these people is a very specific illustration of why we should not fear those things. It's it's to show you that you've been taught that these things are evil when they're really there for your protection. They're intended for the exact opposite of what it is that... um, white supremacy tells you that they are. Um, and I feel like I probably had like this conversation with a million people about how like black folks are so scared of things that are African, not understanding that that's a, that's a learned behavior. We're taught to be scared of those things and that basically that our ancestors were devilish doing all these things, right? Yes.
2: We're saying the same our, things, by the way.
1: I, I'm. Well, let me finish. Yeah. So a friend of mine and I were discussing how like from a, the perspective of someone who is, who comes from I don't want to say a back a white person I don't want to say a background of white supremacy because I feel like that's unfair oh but oh, like no. <laughs> no it's not fair
0: <laughs> no I you said somebody of a white background and I raised my hand and then you said white supremacist and I put my hand back down really quickly
1: <laughs> I said I don't want to see what say white supremacy because it's not fair but if you are a person who is very, is even as a white person who is who acknowledges some of the ills that come along with the social construct of whiteness right as a black person i have no reason to fear my ancestors i don't and you think about like a lot of the like the ghost stories that we see about people living and all these evil spirits of like people who lived in houses before you and stuff like that typically they're not black people in these stories and they're not written by black people about like these ghosts right um those black stories do exist. Sure. You know, bones is the thing, but at the end we find out he's not a bad guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But you have to think about like, we don't call on our ancestors because it's something that we've been indoctrinated not to do. But like, if a white person understands that like their ancestors were probably evil and wrestling with that on some subconscious level, like, of course you're not going to look to them. Like you, you thinking about like what they were doing back in the day when they were alive. And like, the fucked up shit that you know to be associated with your ancestors and you're not going to call on them. Whereas like a Ouija board to me is saying like black people don't fuck with Ouija boards. I don't think we don't fuck with Ouija boards because we're scared we're going to summon one of our ancestors. I think we're scared we're going to usher in an evil spirit that could actually hurt us yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that we are afraid of. Right. And to me, like a Ouija board is not calling on your ancestors. A Ouija board is you just want to talk to somebody dead.
2: But I, But here's the thing. Yeah, right. But, in, but see, here's where the line gets blurred in, the, in a show like this. Okay. Because who they access, what they access...
1: We don't know who some, they accessed.
2: Well, they we don't know, but it specifically said George is dead, right? It was
1: somebody in that house.
2: <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, maybe so, but I, 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 guess I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that like doing Ouija boards is like accessing the ancestors. What I'm saying is that like mm-hmm. you kind of hit on what I was trying to say, but you did it way more eloquently. Is that there is a good portion of people that look at accessing ancestors as like some ghost story type shit. Like they probably look at it like some Ouija board type shit. So I, I appreciate I appreciate that episode of bringing clarification to that, like, yo, ghost stories and things like that. Like, we're, we're taught to think about them one way, but, you know... There they they were these people that died in this in this house were real people with real stories, right? Like they weren't they were they weren't monsters. So when you talk about summonsing, you know, that sort of energy in this particular situation, like why would you be scared of that unless you were part of the oppressive force that put them where they were? You know what I'm saying? It's like it we kinda, are we
1: are indeed saying the same thing. They,
2: there you go. It just subverted that on his head and and to me kind of like I th- I think there's a real, you know, I, I haven't studied religion, and so I'm I'm not you know indoctrinated in that way. But there's a real intersect between spirituality. Um, I think you know maybe the cultural sense of the things that that were passed down from you know our African roots to what is now like Christianity. You know what I'm saying? There's a big intersect there, where um, we're we're essentially. I don't I don't know where that intersect li- lies Oh, I can talk not- I
1: can talk to you about that for days, but there you go, um, this is <laughs> I your can tell thing. you this, watching like people practicing Yoruba religions um I w- I watched like a a, a docu series on different religions um that was like uh narrated by Ben Kingsley and it it gave me like a lot of insight into like Africans um, in the Americas and in the Western world, and how, and our relationship to our ancestral beliefs, but it was a very racist program and it kept talking about Christianity as like this, like this normalized thing, and everybody else was in a cult. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> but, right. but if you watch people like practicing traditional, like our ans- uh, specifically our ancestral as African Americans, West African religions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you watch black people. In a Southern Baptist church, like if you turn the fucking volume off, they dancing around and shit looks the exact same, and that's not an accident. Like right. you understand, what I'm saying even the way that we practice Christianity is still heavily influenced by, um, is still heavily influenced by our ancestors. Um, I don't know if you remember one time we were in, we were recording another show. Shout out to the bio pa- podcast. Rest in peace of that show. But mm-hmm. one of our guests was talking. Had a mother who's Puerto Rican, and she was talking about her mother, like basically practicing Santeria, and she was like embarrassed about it. Like I went in the bathroom. We like went to the bathroom at the same time. And I was like, girl, you don't need to be embarrassed about that. Santeria is like the evidence of our ancestors' beliefs surviving. Exactly. Like so, like exactly. someone who wants to make you feel like it's evil, you need to tell them that. Like, no, we're African. Yeah, and we come from we come from this belief system, and you are the one who is indeed indoctrinated to believe that is that is wrong. Like you need to you need to sit with that and think about that. Yeah. Um. But you're right. There, there is still a relationship there. The the things that you see that are similar in the diaspora are not by accident by right. any means.
2: And, and and you know it's funny now now you know I didn't think about this until. You were talking, you know, you were just talking, but yeah, clearly the show is making an intersect between it because what happened when, you know, Christina came to the house, she couldn't come in at first.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Because someone who
1: means you harm can't get past that spell of protection. There you go. Because you are, you are, look, you're covered by the blood. (laughs) You're covered
2: by the blood. And obviously, you know, what, what, what the sons of Adam's magic looks like, or, you know, the order of what what do they call it? The order of the ancient dawn, what that Mm -hmm. magic looks like. And what calling on your, the spiritual ancestors, you know, what that looks like are two, even though they're sort of like branches from the same thought, they're two totally different worlds, you know. Um, And and, and I just like that they kind of, I feel like they're consciously bringing they attention are. to that. You know? They
1: are. They talk about that. Please listen to that podcast. It's very good.
2: I, I got to. <laughs> I I really need yeah. to. It sounds like a very interesting one.
3: Um, I have a question. Do you think... um. Do you think Christina, would you call her a white supremacist? Because I think if you would ask her, she would think racism is stupid, but I think she's still a white supremacist at the same time. So, go ahead.
2: I've been
0: wrestling with that, like, through the whole show, and like, I, I guess it goes back to the whole thing. I really don't know. I don't know what their motive is, and I don't really, I mean, it has some classical things, but it's not Presented in a way that is a hundred percent clear to me. You know, I do. I think they're she's a good person, probably not. Right, but like I, I I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what they represent.
1: I, lo- I love how you switched into the non-binary pronoun without having to be prompted. That was dope, Corey. Um, but... Oh, hey, hey, well, okay. <laughs> um, so I look at Christina, and she to me less like less than white supremacy she obviously wants to topple the patriarchy right there you go
2: but um
1: i i think she whether or not she's a stand-in for white women at large like maybe um because she is still upholding some of these things while um wanting to dismantle the parts of it that are affecting her negatively but i also think that um the freeman family um and the Lewises, are, Black people have a collective identity, and Christina, as a white person, which is typical of white people, in my experience, has an individual identity. So she's looking out for herself. I don't think that she has a goal that's connected to making sure that all white people get to a certain place. So in that respect, I don't think that she's a white supremacist, but, supremacist, um, but she's still we'll use the tools of white supremacy to get what she wants. Cause it benefits her directly. Yeah. And yeah. whereas, yeah, whereas black, I people, say, yeah. black people in a lot of, a lot, not in every situation, obviously, because individualism is still a thing in our community. But I do think that we, um, because of being stereotyped and because of being discriminated against and marginalized, like, I think that we more so have a collective identity um, all the time <laughs> and not just when it, it, it benefits us individually does that make sense
3: yeah definitely but uh,
0: but also at the same time what has christina done wrong to them so far
3: to who? i mean she set letty up to get almost murdered by Hiram epstein
1: right and it was it okay. was she did it for her own benefit so that she could yeah. get what she needed like yeah yeah i mean I, i'm not she's not, not looking out for of white people though like she's, yeah. not, she's killing yeah. white people and like you know what i mean stepping on them to get what she needs so that's what i'm saying she's using the tools of white supremacy At the same time as like saying that she wants to topple the patriarchy, but also I don't think she's doing anything for for white people. I think she's looking out for herself. And I think that that's like very emblematic of the way some white people move throughout society. It's like, well, I'm not, I'm not racist. I don't believe in those things. I think they're bullshit. But at the same time, like when it benefits me, I'm perfectly okay with like not overthrowing those systems of oppression that are on your neck. (laughs) Like, I don't care. I'm getting what I need.
2: Right, I, that that's exactly that's exactly how I take her, and definitely if there's anything that she is, um, completely you know trying to you know patriarchy seems to be, the the main the main crux of anything, um, that she's trying to topple, like you said, I but I agree with Lizzie, it's more of an individual journey. Um, I thought that's it's an interesting relationship between her and her father because it's like she's obviously she doesn't. Rock with her father's beliefs at all? Um, I wouldn't
1: say not at all because she still wants to use his tools.
2: <laughs> well, I think she understands what that world responds to. She, you know, mm-hmm. this is why she created William. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think she understands what that world responds to. But I mean, she's in she's in no position to do anything about it from, um, you know, f- without the extra, without the magic, without the access to the magic. She's in no position to do anything about. That system, right? That's that's the reality. she's still rich.
1: Right. She's still rich. She's still white. And that's, those are, I think that, that, I don't think that this is like allegory necessarily. I think it's very much like a part of the actual narrative that she embodies like what people, how people view white feminism. Um, Because Mm. a lot of times. It's like feminism, feminism, feminism. I want to topple the patriarchy, but like when you step into those roles, you still want to be able to function in the same way that white men do. You don't want to undo it completely. You just want to have access to it.
2: That's it. That's it. And and and, uh, and again, I think that because you know I had struggled with that I, when when I realized they were the same person, um, but before they came out and said but it, I, I was like. Yeah. I was like, is William turning into Christina or is Christina turning into William? And then I got definitely answered. knew
1: it was that she was the real person.
2: <laughs> OK, see, I see. I, w- I was struggling with that. I didn't know. I mean, even though it's right in front of your face, I mean, she she you know, the whole relationship with her father wouldn't exist if she wasn't the base, you know, the, the base thing. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I did wonder that, like it, it, which one was turning into which um so yeah so obviously she she just understands the language of it um but she's she's totally not in agreement to and then you know the comment about dag like i've wanted one of these rings all my life and all you had to do was like be born just be born and be a man you know and you're black at that like you know what i'm saying like I'm but a there wife. i mean
1: there is privilege in being a cisgender man like That you're born with, whether you're, no matter what your race are, we've talked about this and intersections of like marginalization and privilege, and you can simultaneously experience those things and black men do. Um, but, but I mean, there's no doubt that like black men face marginalization and every other facet, like that, they, that they can same, same with me as a woman who is, you know, cisgender and Christian and able-bodied and you know what I mean? (laughs) Like and, and heterosexual, like I experience privilege in those ways, but, um, Christina is a very complicated character for me. Like they talk about on the podcast about like writing her in a way that like you want to like her, but you do not fucking trust her. Um,
0: yeah, because I mean, yeah. I've started to there was an episode or two. I was like, is she really the villain? Is is this like diversion to what is there something bigger here that we're just not being told about and that she represents a different way to approach that bigger villain? You know, and, and but I, at the same time, I'm with you like you don't trust her. But there's so much that I haven't been told that I don't know why not to. So, well,
1: you- one of the things that one of the quotes that, you know, they harken back to is like the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Like,
4: mm. that's why I don't
1: trust her. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know mm. what I mean? Like, she's 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 not her tools are never going to dismantle her system. Um, that benefits her. So like, no, I don't, I don't trust Christina.
2: She's literally
1: not who she says she is.
2: So here's the, so, you know, and this is, this is why, this is what makes her complex to me. You know, she has a quote in episode two where she, you know, where Samuel, uh, Samuel, her father Braithwaite is, um, yeah, you know, spouting off all that Bible stuff. And she's like, yo, biblical literalism is for the simple. You know what I mean? And if you think about, like, you know, the Sons of Adam, they want to restore things back to, you know, before, quote unquote, Eve fucked everything up. So I think, like, I think it's, I think because of that parable of, like, Adam and Eve, it's easy to almost construct her into the bad guy. I think that's almost, I think that's almost the whole point of the Sons of Adam, (laughs) you know, so to speak, is that, like, women are, quote unquote, you know, the... The reason for it all. Right. Like,
1: well, I mean, that's that's like the that's like a, also like a, a product. Even the way that that story is told through creation that like women fucked everything up is like patriarchy within religion. Um
2: Right. So so just staying there for a second. So to me, I look at that on the writing side of things. Why it's almost that's kind of a funny question, you know, for you to say for you to ask, like, yo, know, I wonder if she's the villain. And it's like, well, yeah, if, if we're going by patriarchal rules, I guess she is the villain. But if 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 we're taking that quote to heart where she says biblical literalism is for the simple, then I think the answer is a lot more complex than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, I me personally, I don't think she's the villain. I think that I think that she just understands the playing. I think she understands the board better than everybody, you know, um, and, and whatever she's trying to get. She's trying to do things for her own gain. But I don't think that makes her a villain. I, it's just, I mean, I a would say,
3: scene. I would say if there was going to be a bigger villain, that villain probably died in episode two. Like, there really isn't a lodge higher than like her father's lodge. So there's not like another big bad out there, like that she's trying to topple, really. is It's really just her. To me, it's just her trying to acquire power. And now that her father's out the way, she's going to like soak up all the games she can all the magic she can
2: well they they make a good point to say like um you know because that seemed to be a conversation point between letty and tick right like um letty is saying that yo, this magic is evil look at what it's look at what it made your father do in protection of you right and and um and tick is sort of you know challenging that basically saying that like yo it's not the magic ain't evil. It's what you do with it that makes it evil, right? So, you know, her position is that the magic is evil, and his position is is that, yeah, if if you choose to use it evil, you know, for evil deeds, it is.
1: I um, mean, but that's also harkening back to like our relationship with our ancestral beliefs around magic.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and you know, when he, when it, when you start talking about systemic oppression, man it's kind of like a machine that works on itself, you know, like after you put gas in it, it runs on its own. Right. So, so, you know, the, like going along with what Martin just said, you know, the the real oppressive force could have died in episode two, but you know, the way the system works is that it's going to work regardless if the head is on it or not, you know what because I mean? Because
1: another head will always sprout up in its place.
2: It will. Yeah. the machine is just, it's just a self-generating machine, man. So, um, so even though these you know these forefathers and these people that have done these things, you know that that started the machine running, and you know we're spending you know every it seems like every generation is trying to you know is, is trying to catch up to the lawnmower at this point at this point man, Um, you know it's it's the the cars the Bay Area would say is uh they the the whip is ghost riding <laughs> you know what I mean? so um Um, so what do you
3: guys want to see more of like in these next episodes
2: i definitely want to i definitely want to see what this relationship is between tick and um and you know the korean woman jean i can't remember how to pronounce it but i definitely want to see what's there um the preview to episode six makes it seem like you know the it, it almost makes it feel like the vibe that i get from it is that like Whatever American forces did in korea um sort of what's happening now is the brunt end of that karma you know what I mean like back- you know back to the machine sort of just like and people people uh doing you know sitting the oppressed sitting in the oppressor seat you know um I don't know much about the Korean War, you know I know it was. I guess what it was right after uh, World War Two, um, in the fifties.
1: My grandfather know... fought in the Korean War.
2: Yeah, yeah mine I, too. I don't I don't know much about it, but I would imagine there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of unsavory things that happened, like they do in war. Um, and and Korean people probably felt the backlash to it. You know, same as Vietnam, same as you know, you know, Iraq, and all these other places that we go to war with. Man, they, there's a lot of Things that happen um, that are just unsavory for the natives, man. And, uh, if, you know, if they had their chance to get their get back, I'm sure it would look a certain way.
1: I have a question. Did any of y'all notice that the white woman with the dogs in in episodes one and two, I mean, in episode two is the same woman that Ruby turns into? Yeah, yeah. I
2: thought <laughs> that. But I wasn't sure. I was like, yo, she looks, I think that's her. It yeah. is. So, So, yeah, so that's... So where does the genetic makeup of this fiber come from that? These I think they just turned- took You're her just DNA. You're just saying words. What do you mean? Yeah. The, <laughs> the skin. The
3: skin. That's what I mean. Yeah. I, I think they just took her DNA and used that to make the potion because she's like the head of the the village or whatever. hmm Oh, okay. So she would be down.
1: So who was William then?
3: Right. My guess is like someone else.
1: It's probably, probably her father. She, like a younger version of her dad, if I had to guess.
0: Yeah. It makes you wonder if the woman with the dogs in episode two was really someone else too. You know what I mean? Like that person's not real to begin with.
1: It's polyjuice right. potion like in Harry Potter, son.
0: Like yeah. someone else, you know, someone else used the same potion for that
2: person. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it, it opens up the door to, you know, to everybody. Everybody's a suspect in terms of not being who they say they are.
1: Well, everybody keeps wondering that about Montrose, but I don't, I don't think so. I think that's really
2: Montrose yeah. at this point. Yeah. But I yeah. had that,
1: I had that question too.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it feels like we covered a lot, but I know there's a lot left on the ground. Um, you know, episodes six through 10, I, I'm i I'm looking forward to them. I, I mean, I, I just think this journey is going to get so much deeper and, You know, even if there's not not another civics lesson or like another, you know, social, you know, historical lesson here, man, I just think whatever we're going to whatever we're going to embark upon is going to be good television, in my opinion. So, uh, I mean,
3: I think uh, what I'm kind of looking forward to is just I want to see more horror with this show (laughs) because I think there's like scarier shows out there. I think Channel Zero is scarier. I think even American Horror Story some seasons of that is probably a lot scarier than this show. Hmm. It's so, also dumber. I mean I think they they do like the race <laughs> stuff really well, but I think the horror stuff is lacking some in some episodes.
2: So, is that the is that the the text like the subtext of the original like the genre of the original well, literary is horror? I
3: mean, it, it's similar to well, like okay, the whole thing is like the this show is called Lovecraft Country, right? But the guy in the book, the guy who wrote the book, and the people in the show are basically saying "fuck Lovecraft" because he was this racist piece of shit. Yep. Okay. So even though nice. Lovecraft might make um might make all these stories of horror and people going crazy and old gods and monsters and stuff like that, and then make it make it a slow burn and whatnot, they're kind of throwing out a lot of his structure and a, a lot of what he's doing. And just instead making like a whole bunch of genre episodes with different and inserting black people into them, which I mean, I'm kind of mixed on because I would like to see some Lovecraft stuff be adapted more. But at the same time, I think I get why they're like, F Lovecraft, we're just going to do our own thing and use some elements of it.
2: so they're basically this is like a big middle finger to what's his name H P Lovecraft or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is a middle finger to him, but they're also paying homage to him by using his name. That's weird. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I guess don't the
1: references. Think they're pay- yeah. it's, it's, it paying homage so much is like I'm gonna I'm gonna Columbus your shit and, and yeah, make money exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, but
2: but. but the even the, even mentioning his name is like keeping it a lot you know what i'm saying it's like I think yeah telling that's... the
1: truth about him is more important like you know hp lovecraft was racist as fuck and yeah. pointing he's still like revered in this genre and so pointing out like all the flaws with this person and how like people don't have any problem supporting someone who was just had some really horrible beliefs and said so as loudly as they please. Like mm-hmm. it, it's really to, I feel like it's really to call out other people's support of him.
2: Um, mm, interesting.
3: Yeah. And I think that's got a lot of people tripped up on this show is like, they come in and expecting like somebody to do an entire show, like based off of Lovecraft stories or like his style or his genre. And that's not what the show is pretty much at all.
2: all right. So it's like the opposite of the whole Philip K. Dick, the electric uh, circus thing. Uh, Dreams, Electric love, Dreams. Yeah, Electric, Electric Dreams Circus is, is um album. Even though she was in mean. Electric Dreams. So
1: there that you was go. Commons album. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? See, you win.
2: Uh, what?
1: Nothing. Oh, uh, okay.
2: <laughs> um, side note, man, just uh, you know, I I talked about the girl from P Valley being in that uh that uh short film that I shot in episode three, um the girl who is in the house you know that's part of like this community house that Letty bought um the one that was talking about like physical activity the uh, the, the other black girl that she only had like maybe one other speaking yeah,
3: part yeah the dancer
2: yeah the dancer yeah there you go Naomi uh Naomi she was uh, also in that film flip so nice. the, the the flip cast is is out here spreading their wings man um so shout out to Naomi man this is a, this is a good look for her even though like i said she had a very small part um but at least she had a couple speaking lines but,
3: um, yeah, man. Oh, Coy, anything else you want to say about?
0: Um, no. I mean, so far, like I said, I I I really appreciate some of the ambiguity of the show, and and it's one of the few shows that I I, I really enjoy, just kind of being going along with the ride. So um, yeah. I've been enjoying it. I really like the show, and uh, I'm looking
2: forward to what it wants to do next. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, well, this is where we going to drop it off at, guys? Sure. I bet, man. Well, um, I hope uh, to never experience racism like Letty was experiencing in episode three. <laughs> and because uh, <laughs> that was some real shit. Um, And uh, yeah, man, I definitely look look for our, you know, wrap up on episodes six through 10 when this whole season is finished. Uh. To kind of just get into a little bit more of this fabric. Hope you guys are enjoying this ride of this show. Uh, I'm excited about where it's going, and um, uh, maybe in between we can bring you guys some other episodes. I'm not mad at the tenant episodes. If you guys want to go there with that.
3: Oh, by the way, did you ever catch Emmett Till?
1: Yeah. So apparently, like episode eight oh. is called Bobo, so we're gonna see him a lot more. <laughs> uh, I don't.
3: I don't want to see them like do that though. I'm we'll so, I mean, I don't that. know
1: what we're gonna see though.
3: Um yeah. Yeah. it could
1: be like me and my friend were talking about this. She was like, do you think they're going to change the course of history with that? So it could be like some, yeah, some, once like, upon a time in uh, Hollywood Once upon a time in Hollywood,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be mad at that. I wouldn't be mad. I'm usually kind of like eh, to revision this history, but I wouldn't be mad at that.
1: Well, you have to think about. <laughs> you pull me back in. But you have, you have <laughs> yeah. to think about. Um, yeah. What we are experiencing through social media in terms of inciting events that cause um, a civil unrest um, is is no different from how it happened back then um, in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Emmett Till and, you know, the the church bombing with the four little girls were like modern day, like George Floyd and Amar Arbery. Like, so the same kinds of things were sparking outrage in our community back then. So if we don't have Emmett Till, um, then what else doesn't happen? You know what I mean? Right. So um, it, I just I'm interested to see what they're going to do with it. But it's definitely or it could just not be about him directly. It could be like a parallel story um, yeah, to make you think about it from like an allegorical standpoint. Who knows? But yeah. I mean, he showed up twice. They just haven't been using his real name. James Baldwin showed up. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I,
2: I love I love the use of Gil scott Heron, man, with that whitey on the moon joint. I love I just I love the use of like. Yeah. Anyway, this is that's, we have real
1: problems and it. this is what the fuck oh, you b- were. By about? the way,
3: Corey, Emmett Till was the guy who like uh he was playing with the Ouija board and he said, uh, am I gonna have a good time going down to like the country or Mississippi? Yeah, am or I gonna enjoy my trip
1: down south? Yeah. Oh. And they're like,
3: no.
0: No. Didn't catch that at all. I didn't that's either. A... But you're I'm not key. gonna stay here pre- and catch that. Yeah. I
1: didn't catch yeah. it either. Pe- people told me. Just like, oh you rusty out that pretend yeah, he
3: like was you're wearing smart. The same outfit.
2: Wow. Oh wow. Man. Man, this writers' room I, I i tip my hat off to them, man. They—they—they're they're earning their paychecks, man, and, and I think they're up in the ante on uh, television writing, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Um, oh, they- can I also plug my friends um, over at Life on Autopilot? They did like a um, a Lovecraft Country inspired um, collection uh, mm. that they've released, um, and I got—I paid for it. Uh, <laughs> and nice. at, they have a bomber jacket. It's it's got an A on it, um, and it's green like an army jacket, but um, it's got an A on it, which is symbolic of Life on Autopilot, but also for Atticus Freeman. Nice. Um, and they have it's a they're a black-owned luggage company.
2: What's the and, what's and friends the, how of can mine people find them?
1: Um, they're at Life on Autopilot on everything. Life <laughs> at Life, life at on Autopilot. On, life, life on Autopilot.
2: Life on Autopilot. Okay, yeah, check them out, man. Shout out to them for getting that merch money and uh, telling our stories. Um. But uh, yeah, that's it, man. Thank you guys for for uh, hanging, you know, sticking with us with this, man. I know it was a little all over the place, but hey, man, this show is a little all over the place. So uh, hopefully you learned a little something or encouraged to go back and watch a little something and make sure you tell HBO you did it so they could throw some dollars this way. Nah, I mean, I mean, pick up them socials, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Kind of Movie Critics and on Twitter at Kind of K-I-N-D-A movie Crits C-R-I-T-S and uh, remember we call ourselves Kind of Movie Critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not just a bunch of people that like to watch movies this has been an On Ear Network production